0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
2: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
2: This is
3: the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
3: BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt hit. Happy the morning to you. Another day, folks. We've done it. It's Thursday. Thursday, folks. It's happening. It's also, by the way, leave the office earlier day, which for Ben is every day. Yep. Ben, I always come looking for you. Did they move your cube?
2: They actually never gave me a desk.
3: Oh, is that? Okay, that makes sense.
2: But the, actually, it's actually true. They is never it true? Oh,
3: well, gosh. Yeah. If you need a chair, you can come borrow one of my chairs. Really? I've got like 12 of them.
2: Yeah, but I also need a computer, so.
3: Huh, can't help you there. Do you have a yeah. phone? Oh, nope. You need a phone, too.
2: <laughs> Anywho,
3: June 2nd, leave office earlier day. Uh, it's also Rocky Road Day and National Bubba Day. National Bubba Day. We are honoring anyone named or called Bubba. I know, too. You do?
2: Mm-hmm. Who? Bubba and Bubba.
3: <laughs> Holy cow. Did you know that Bubba is Yiddish word for grandmother? I'm pretty sure in the South they don't know that.
4: Because all these guys in the South named Bubba, not Jewish grandmothers. It probably grows out of uh, being a little kid and mispronouncing brother. But grandmother, grand Well, that's Yiddish. Yeah. But in the South, yeah. that's probably you know that's Bubba. probably more of the common use of Bubba in the Isn't United States. my Bubba and my Mubba. That's cool. Happy Bubba Day. Uh, we got a great show for you today. Um
3: Starting out, we're going to be talking with Tim Ballard. Uh, it's an interview I did um, about two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Tim Ballard is, I don't know, probably one of the most uh, – what would you call him? Eclectic, special men on earth. Past former CIA agent, past officer with Homeland Security, um, author of an incredible book about uh, Abraham Lincoln and the founder and CEO of Operation Underground, which is an organization that is trying to stop slavery, especially child sex slave. So uh, we've got a wonderful interview with him they They put together a movie called The Abolitionist, which is in theaters right now. And Gerald Mullen will be joining him, who happens to be a, uh, an Academy Award winning Oscar. I mean, Academy Award winning, winning um, producer for Schindler's List. So we'll be speaking with both of them about this new movie, The Abolitionist. That'll be coming out. Um, It's actually out now, and the idea is to get a really good push on the movie so that uh, they can get it out to theaters nationwide. So we'll be talking with both of them and Chet Thomas, who is the producer and director of the the movie as well. Also, of course, we'll be giving you more ideas and information. The information you need to live longer, love stronger. Also throughout the show, we're going to be talking about uh, the cola wars. Why is why are all the cities now starting to tax cola drinks, which is just crazy, or is it? They're taxing the sugar. I think you're biased. I am biased. Except I, they tax the sugar.
4: It's, but you don't, sugar's you don't, killing you. Don't people. drink the sugar version. <clears throat> you, I don't. You drink the chemically altered version. Yeah.
3: <laughs> if with mine, they'd have to like tax 14 chemicals.
4: Yeah know we can even pronounce. Probably asbestos is in there, yeah. too. So. Oh,
3: I love liquid asbestos. Nothing beats asbestos. They say liquid the sugar morning. is bad for you, but liquid asbestos, even worse. So we'll be talking about cola wars a little bit later uh, in hour number two. And, uh, you know, got a lot for you today. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on, my friend?
4: Thanks, Matt. Investigators in Los Angeles are still searching for a motive in Wednesday's murder-suicide at the UCLA campus. Sources identify the gunman as Manak Sakar, reports have him using a 9mm semi-automatic pistol, killing 39-year-old engineering professor William Scar- Scott Klug in an office before taking his own life. UCLA officials are also reviewing safety protocols as the shooting re- re- revealed a problem with the doors on the campus. Students and staff were instructed to find a secure place as hundreds of LAPD officers, FBI, ATF, responded to the 30,000-student campus, but without proper locks, students were forced to improvise using chairs, power cords, and a foosball table to make sure no one could enter the room. In the engineering building, they just, like, dreamed up random locks and started trying to really kind of just make use of the material in the room to lock the doors. Classes are suspended Wednesday and will resume this morning. Friends and family are remembering the victim. William Clug, professor of mechanical and aerospace engineering, husband and father of two young children who coached his son's little league baseball team. Hillary Clinton went after Donald Trump on Wednesday for Trump University on the heels of newly revealed testimony by former staffers in which they called the program a fraudulent scheme among other harsh criticisms.
0: This is just more evidence... That Donald Trump himself is a fraud. You can't make this up. Trump and his employees took advantage of vulnerable Americans, encouraging them to max out their credit cards, empty their retirement savings, destroy their financial futures, all while making promises they knew were false from the beginning.
4: The Trump University story will continue to roll out as people wow. read the documents that are coming out. Can't believe the candidates. Tr- Trump put out a commercial yesterday featuring three people that uh, were successful through his Trump University program. Uh, aren't they
3: called the three people? One that of were the, one
4: of them currently sells uh, Trump bottled water at the golf courses. Okay. Uh, one of the women said that on her first real estate deal, she's mm-hmm. in Tennessee. She made back the entire tuition Wow! that she paid to Trump University. So there's Killed been it. there's been a success. There's been three of them. Now, there's probably more, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's great. Hillary Clinton clinging to a narrow two-point lead over Bernie Sanders in California ahead of the state's June 7th primary. According to results from a new NBC uh, Wall Street Journal Marist poll, Clinton gets support from 49% of likely Democratic primary voters in the state, while Sanders gets 47%. So Wow. That, continues as that date closes in trump for some reason is in california I wonder why a state that republicans haven't won since the 80s yeah he's, he's going to be there for three days Stir in the pot hillary clinton has a foreign policy speech today he <clears throat> ripped her because i for some reason they sent his campaign a copy of the speech oh yeah great and so he's like lies it's all li-, you know so we'll <laughs> see what happens uh this is kind of a uh Local in the sense of here on BYU campus story that I found. A Brigham Young University physiology professor will no longer be offering students the chance to drink what they think is real urine as part of a class demonstration. Uh. Assistant Professor Jason Uh. Hansen has been told to just explain the lesson next time rather than offering a mixture of water with vinegar and food coloring and calling it urine.
5: Uh. Uh. Yeah.
4: Apparently, he had a uh, female student drink it, and she wasn't exactly happy with this. Someone reported it to a local TV station. Yeah. And now he's been kind of told to knock it off. So he so.
3: he was trying to like conjure up a mixture that is similar to urine. Yes. And then called it urine.
4: Yes. With the idea, he's teaching a hydration, dehydration part of the class. Okay. And so it was an object lesson. He says he's done it before. Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, okay. And then they realize what it is and it's no big deal. I mean, honestly, worse things have been done. (laughs) But somebody didn't like it. Wasn't there like
2: jumping rope with the intestines of a cat? Yeah, that was worse.
4: That that would be bad. bad. Yeah, I'd rather drink that. Also, uh, four years ago, there was a big hubbub over the uh, Mayan calendar. Yes. It was a five year old calendar. It was clicking down to zero, right? And it was supposed to be the end of the world. Terminate the world, sure. Didn't happen. Don't know ah. if you knew that. Ah. Well, sometimes the Mayans are a little off. Calendar ended. Still so not. what happens is the experts at that point start walking it back, trying to figure out where the math went wrong. Instead of the possibility that you know it has no you know right. bearing on the f- you know the fate and future of the world, <laughs> they're checking the math. What they're saying is. The the Mayans didn't account for leap years. Ah, blast. Right, so blue the math was off for five thousand years. So Mayans. they re, they reworked the arithmetic. Okay, okay. And so they they, so they now we know they when, come back to a new figure. Great. When, what's the new? When's the new date? June third between June third and fourth. So ah, this weekend, boy. So what are you going to do with the next Hold couple on. days of your life? Yeah, tomorrow's the
3: third. Yeah. Urgh, I, I it can't be this weekend. I am swamped.
4: I don't want the world to end this weekend. Should we reschedule? <laughs> Man, the Mayans were way off. They, they yeah. must
2: have factored something else wrong. So
4: yeah. So and, and it says Anthony Aveni, an expert in ancient Mesoamerican astronomy at Colgate University, told National Geographic that the Mayans didn't care about leap year. So wow. without that factored in, your end results on when yeah. the end no, of the world mess is you up yeah. every time. So ah, uh, see public service. Okay. Well, everybody, um,
3: if you were planning something on Sunday, I'd cancel it. Try to move it up to
4: Friday or Saturday. Apparently the end of the world. And this article I found in the India Times uh, goes through all the math if you'd like to look at it. The, um, the India Times. Are you? Do you read that much? It just sort of popped up in my newsfeed.
3: It's pretty amazing. That's uh, that's some good news feed you got there. Hey, um, got some bad news for you today. Well, actually, it's probably good news. Hormones, apparently, um, that are released during hunger, hmm. make uh, they affect decision making.
4: You know, never make a decision when you're hungry. Oh, so the idea phone. of being hangry is
3: real. You're hangry, but you're also you're a hangrytian. A hangrytian? Wow. <laughs> you're a hungry, angry, not so smart person. Interesting, because apparently the hormone ghrelin, which I thought was a villain in A Batman movie. Ghrelin. Ghrelin. uh, Is released before meals and is known to increase the appetite. It has a negative effect on both decision-making and impulse control. So Hmm. you may have noticed that when you get really hungry, uh, what happens is ghrelin is produced in your stomach. And then it makes you kind of irritable. And it also makes you, you know, not so – do not so smart things.
4: Make bad choices. Make horrible choices. Is that in choosing food
3: or just general life? I think probably in general life. The okay. hormone has been shown to have a negative effect on decision-making capabilities, impulse control. For the first time, we have now been able to show that increasing ghrelin uh, levels are seen prior to meals and during fasting, and it causes the brain to act impulsively and also affects the ability to make a rational decision. So it is, it's is—it's probably the definition of why you get hangry and also why you get hangry dupid. hangry stupid I don't know the word for it. hangry stupid
4: you'll see you know you'll see about losing weight people tell you don't shop hungry
3: yeah, right because that's you're, true you, you
4: buy everything you buy ice cream you buy crazy crazy things that you normally wouldn't buy but you're doing an off impulse because you're hungry trying, i have another rule don't shop period have somebody else do it
3: for you yeah i can't shop mm. i can't shop hungry or if sometimes i i believe that rule so i just get really full before i go shopping and then I'm so bloated, I need their cart
4: and drive it around. Well, I had this story in the it's horrible. in the Netherlands. There's a service where you put in your order, and they will bring uh-huh. the food to your house. Yeah, there's some that you said that would put them away. You're not home. They will walk come into your house, and they actually have a key card. And what it is that they, involved in the program is a lock on your door. Wow. And so the delivery guy comes to the house, and he'll swipe the card, and you get a notification on your phone. Do you want to let this person in? And there's a camera there, and you're, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Hi, a delivery Mr. guy. Mr. Jones. I'd like to put your groceries away. So you tap the button, and unlocks your phone. Wow. He walks in, puts all your groceries away, and then leaves. Is that, do we need that? I don't know, but. Does he rifle through your drawers? That's extra, if you <laughs> want him to, to steal something. There will be a day,
3: though, that'll be a no-brainer, right? Because you'll be able to watch the guy in your house.
4: But but if they steal something, you would know who it was, because you yeah, just saw them on it the was camera. Jimmy. There's nobody else that's been in the house, so it's kind of a – I don't Are know. Are we so lazy we can't even put our groceries away? Yeah. Because, I mean, you can already get stores to deliver. But you have to be there. Yeah. This sure. is so that you're not there. They can just show up whenever they happen to be ready to deliver. they would stay and like, I don't know, put uh, lasagna in the – If they cook the oven? meal for you, that's the next step. Maybe that's yeah. the pro version of the service. Just embrace it, Matt.
3: Would you like me to digest your food for you also, Mr. Townsend?
4: All, it's all pre-chewed, sir.
3: That's Okay. I guess I'll digest it. No one else will. Um, we, wow, we've got so much to talk about. I've got a big day today. I'm speaking to, um, I don't know, 100, 200 young women.
4: Really? 14 to 18. Oh, that are, okay. and that are at a camp. I was going to say any prospects for Ben, but that's a little young. Well, I'll, I'll talk to the 18-year-olds. I guess it depends on the state. Never mind. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> totally does. <deaf. laughs>
3: But Ben's ben, ben, there's so many girls just around here that
4: love Ben. Eh, it's it's not that same kind of love. Yeah, it's kind of a pity. It's like a love. It's mate. out of convenience. Yeah, That's what like, I yeah. found. Ben's had a great day today. He's
3: sporting a, a lavender shirt. What color would we call yeah, that? Lavender. We'll call it lavender. Yeah. Uh, with a collar. It's I think the first collared shirt I've ever seen you wear.
2: Yeah, I I didn't know if you were supposed to put it on any different. Yeah, since actually, it's collar. on backwards. So if you'll just turn okay. it around, that'd be.
3: I don't know how you did the buttons up your back, but
2: <laughs> it took like that was three hours. that
3: was a hard shirt to put on. No wonder you don't wear collared shirts. We uh, we got a great show coming up um, again. Tim Ballard will be joining us. In fact, there's another story right there on CNN. Um, uh, they're the, uh, the they're selling ISIS is, are selling women, eleven year old girls, for nine thousand dollars slaves okay and that very story now that's hit the news is going to um is our next guest uh somebody that's fighting against really slave trade especially sex trade of children two million children are sold into um slavery as sex slaves a year folks so Listen up. We'll take a break. When we come back, Tim Ballard will be joining us from Operation Underground, talking about his movie The Abolitionist, and Jerry Mullen will be with him, Academy Award-winning producer for Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, have we got a, a great opportunity for you today? Um, it's it's an incredibly sad story that's happening all over the world, and uh, some some good friends of the show, good friends of, I think, really humanity, uh, have have taken it upon themselves to fight um, the sex trafficking trade. And we've talked about them on the show before. Uh, Tim Ballard is joining us. He's the founder and the CEO of um, of an organization that is designed and created to stop sex trafficking. It's 21st century slavery, folks, and they've just come out with a new movie called The Abolitionists. The movie was put together by Tim Ballard, who's the founder and CEO of of um, the abolitionists. What's the name of the organization? Yes, the Underground, the Operation Operation, Underground Railroad. Opa, yes. Operation Underground Railroad. And Tim is the, the head of Operation Underground Railroad. And joining us also is Jerry Mullen, that uh, you have probably seen a lot of Jerry's work. He's the producer of the documentary, The Abolitionists, and um, he's also – uh, put out some other movies, some critical of Barack Obama in 2016. But some of his more popular ones that you may have heard of are The Minority Report, Jurassic Park, Hello!, and Schindler's List, for which he won an Oscar for Best Picture. And uh, he's um, – by the way, did you really cut your teeth on the escape to which mountain, Jerry?
6: Or the that-
3: – the- Earlier than that, but that was one of my favorite scariest movies ever growing up. That
6: yeah, was a great movie. You a lot fre- of fun.
3: You freaked me out, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You too, Tim. Thanks again for being back.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here. Tim's
3: got a really interesting background. Special agent for Homeland Security. He was a former CIA operative. Uh, he's a dad. He's written a great book on Abraham Lincoln that I have people talk to me about all the time. Huh. And I know his family, and some of them are a little crazy.
1: That's right. Which is why,
3: <laughs> Tim, I understand, which is hopefully they're listening. Um, you're, you're, anyway, I won't get into it. But uh, really, it's good to have you guys here. Talk to me about this movie, The Abolitionist.
1: Well, The Abolitionist, is, it's, uh, it's a film that's it's reality. I mean, it's, it's real cameras. It's interesting. We have a lot of people um, <clears throat> accuse us. Uh, of falsifying footage because they don't believe that they're actually seeing what they're seeing. Yeah, um, but it is all real. I mean, we have uh, the, the production company. The, the you know they went undercover with us. The, the 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 directors, the producers, the cameramen
3: into into the sex trade.
1: Into the, the sex trade. They let They 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 followed my team right in there as we infiltrate to to um, to liberate children. And the way to do it is you go in and you you buy these kids. Um, and then working with the police, we always work with the police and the countries that we're working in. And my team were former Navy SEALs, former CIA, uh, former law enforcement. And you're literally watching just two, two feet in front of you. You're watching bad guys sell children.
3: Oh, I remember we've had you on the show a couple times just talking about it and how how really overwhelming it is. And you you leave your home with your beautiful family. Get on an airplane and then take a team to go in and you end up in some country and they're literally selling young women into slavery. That's right. And then you have to break it up with some bad dudes and some just regular looking dudes that are buying people to use them.
1: Yeah, what's sad is we have a lot of um, Americans who travel into developing nations um, take advantage of the situation there where there's, there's not a strong law enforcement system. And and they're the ones who are abusing these children. Mm. And so that's why we can infiltrate the market because we can play the role of those Americans that the traffickers are used to supplying. Yeah. And so we get right in there and, and we, we – we, again, we work with law enforcement always. We're not a vigilante group. We're signed up official with these governments.
3: You're trying to shut it down. That's right. And so you have Operation Underground, which is your organization that is trying to raise money to go in and and really buy more people out of it and shut more systems down that's right and which is a charity yes and it's it's taken off it's all over the country and um then jerry how do you get involved i mean this this is this does make good i mean ugly tv
6: yeah well there's a question that always comes out when people see the film and that's usually they asked the question, "What can I do?" Yeah, and, and more or less that's the way it was with me. After talking to Tim and, and learning about him and what what he was doing, you know, what can I do? And uh, I talked to the two producers, the two directors, uh, Chet Thomas and Darren Fletcher, and I said, uh, "You know, what can we do? How can I help?" And that's you know kind of how I got involved. I'm more more on the uh, uh, the outside looking in, yeah, helping where I can. But it,
3: it's ugly though, too, isn't it? It's so ugly that – but we you got to do something by getting it out there. You got to tell people the story.
1: Yeah, it is ugly but – but it's also, and people sometimes fear going to the film because they think, I don't want to be exposed no, to this. Yeah. But it, actually the opposite happens. When, when people leave that theater, they're inspired, they're enlightened. That's what I found. They're empowered because they, they see that there's light. Yes, this is a real thing, but there's a, there's light at the end of this tunnel. When when Jerry, one of our first conversations we, he had, because I was very apprehensive about bringing cameras sure. undercover. That's kind of counterintuitive to an operator mindset. Um, but when, when he made this case to me and he, and he talked about how the Schindler's List had created such a movement. It was more than a movie. It became a movement. Right. However, it, it was too late to rescue those lives. Uh, imagine if Schindler's List could have come out in 1941. I oh, mean, wow. We, millions would have been rescued. Yeah. Um, people wouldn't have stood for it. They would. Have, they would have made a change. And here's an opportunity – to to make a film while there's still time to rescue the victims we're talking about. And that was sold after that. Because that's what we see happening. When people go to this movie, they come out asking the same question that Jerry asked when he heard about what we were doing. What can I do? And we're watching tens of thousands of people get on board, finding out what they can do and helping solve this problem.
3: Because there's stuff you can do. Absolutely. And um, I I saw it with my own family. When they all came out, it it blew my mind that they were – it, they were there's this reverence, like okay, this is happening in the world, and yeah, like you said, they're motivated, they're motivated to do something yes it's it's an it's an interesting story too, and I have other friends that uh, I think were on the editing crew or the videography, I can't remember, but just as they would tell me as they were shooting the day to day moments of just awe where they can't believe how good it feels to free these people, I mean, you had always told us the stories. And I, I always thought how cool to see it. But what's it like for your crew, for the staff, as you were filming this? You've been in on a million of these, but when you bring in a bunch of videographers who probably haven't seen stuff like this going down, what was it like for them?
1: You know, I think that they were um, very apprehensive at first. They didn't know what to what to expect. What you know, they didn't know what the story was going to be. You know the, these guys are used to making narratives, and they know the story. Yeah, and they're just like we don't, you know, we don't, we don't know what the story is going to be, but we just have to make sure we're there. And they are extremely brave. I mean, a lot of them uh, actually um, went, you know, went undercover uh, and and. They didn't, you know, at first they kind of gave us cameras, but they didn't like the angles we that <laughs> we were coming have back no clue. with. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so they said, "You know what? We got to be the ones that go undercover." So I was like, "All right. If you need that shot, come come on in." It was great for us cuz we were using the footage for for evidence. Yeah. We turn over to the prosecutors. Oh, that's perfect. Huh? Oh, yeah. So there's I mean none of the kids that we've rescued have had to even testify in, in any kind of trial, which is a horrible thing to make them do anyway. Right. Uh, because there's no reason to. You we have we have the entire deal being shot from 17 angles. Right, you know, so, um, uh, so yeah. In fact, one of one, one of the guys, one of the directors who went undercover, is right, is sitting right here.
2: Really?
3: Yeah, and he's, in, you, he's,
1: he's in studio today. So,
3: give us your name again and hit the button right there. Yep, there we go. What was your What's your name? Chet Thomas. Chet, uh, just Thank a director. You. Chet didn't know he's going to get thrown into this. You're a director, just not used to going in on this kind of stuff. I'm assuming. No, but. Um, yeah, originally
0: it was it was an interesting opportunity, I guess if you call it that. But uh, um, going in and going undercover, it was it's been mind- pretty exhilarating, It's pretty mind blowing. And I, I, you know, hey, you know, Tim can say this, but I think I'm I'm pretty good at the undercover stuff, don't yeah. you think, Tim? He's
1: gotten a lot better.
3: Did he? Did he?
0: What you, yeah. I've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Did, you know? Okay. Yeah. Did yeah, yeah, Chet, Chet I so.
3: improve the camera <laughs> angles though? Chet, did you get a better shot when you went in? I, I think Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Better. Yes. It's, uh, it's a weird story because – tell us the numbers, um, Tim, about slavery and, and how many what – are, what are we looking at in oh, human it is, trafficking? This is,
1: it's, and that's the thing that's, that's the most frustrating part to me is that people don't realize how, how enormous it is. Yeah. And so it's easy for them to sit back and say, well, the governments of the world have this. They got it. And, and no, no slam on the governments. This problem is just so enormous. There are more slaves living today than ever lived before in the history of the earth. In fact, if, if you add it up, and yeah. these stats are absolutely uh, correct. If you added up all the slaves that that, that lived during the 350-plus years of the transatlantic slave trade, add them all up, and there's still more living today in the world. Over 30 million people enslaved. Our organization really focuses on the 2 million or actually 5 million who are child slaves, hmm. whether it's sex trafficking or slave labor. We mostly focus on the sex trafficking. But that's how enormous this problem is. I mean, there, there are – and if you think about this, it's really scary. If you think about the fact that there's 2 million children forced into the commercial sex trade, you got to ask yourself what kind of demand justifies that number. Uh. How many people want this? Right. so many millions of people are sex addicts largely because i think because of the pornified world we live in right. and 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 this is what they're looking for and they go for this and and that's why these kids are being exploited
3: so one of the benefits of having a movie like this is i guess telling the story to the healthier and maybe what educating others of what the the possibilities are or what a pornified air quotes world looks like Absolutely. Because we, we, we clean it up, right? We clean it up in the U.S. so it doesn't look this dirty and raunchy. Right,
1: but it's all uh, in the U.S. But it's it's here. All, it's all here. It's, it's all here. Exactly it's, it's mostly here. online. Yeah. In fact, our organization has a very aggressive uh, software development program. Uh, we partnered recently with um, the with University of North Carolina. We have um, an office there, a lab, and we're building tools, because here in the United States, it's just happening online in the dark net, yeah. child pornography, yeah. kids being sold, uh, but it is pervasive, it's everywhere, and it's there's just that many sex addicts in the world. So. Yeah.
3: Jerry, uh, as a producer, as a big Hollywood producer um, with a lot of amazing shows under your belt, what what stood out the most for you as you watched what they had done. And you you saw what they were putting together.
6: Well, this is inspiring. It, it really is because, number one, you know you're doing something that's righteous. Yeah. If you use Schindler's List for example, uh, yeah, we told that story. We told it 55 years too late Yeah. because it had already happened. If we played the same application here and looked at back on this 55 years later, oh. the numbers that Tim were talking about, the 30 million uh, in slavery or the 2 million to 5 million kids, would probably be double or triple that. So at least this way, with the work that Tim and these guys are doing, getting in there, shining some light on it, getting it out with Chet and, and his team, getting the, getting on film. The thing that's that's interesting about this, we have to remember, I, I think, is the fact that there's no reenactments here.
3: This is real time. This live. is it.
6: What you're seeing is what you get. Yeah. That's it. It's happening, and people sit in the theater there, and they can just imagine for themselves that just four. Yeah. A, 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 a little different. saved they could be there themselves
3: because when we watch schindler's list we saw the horror but it was all acting this was the horror real time
6: that's right correct that's amazing
1: no, absolutely
3: what a neat thing to i mean be taking on this is a big bite you took i mean you're talking a 30 million person trade and you're you're taking on a small portion of it two million but that's two million lives Those, that's two million souls
1: right and and what our what our plan of attack an amazing thing in fact it's it's in the film it's my favorite scene in the film. It's one of the, the very end towards the end and um, I'm talking I'm, I'm back in Cartagena, we had just done a series of operations, and I'm back in Cartagena and with, with different faces American faces around me, and we're talking to the street vendors who generally are the ones who seventy eighty percent of the time will introduce us to the child traffickers okay. And so we're going around, uh, and everyone is saying to us, these, these vendors, are you crazy? Don't we, You cannot do that to kids here. Haven't you been watching the press? These Americans went to jail. No, you know Him not knowing. These guys not knowing who they're talking
3: to. <laughs>
1: and we're acting kind of surprised. Like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, don't, don't, don't get involved. And that's when it kind of hit us that – We've just rescued kids who never knew they needed rescuing, they and they did. never will know. Oh. And that's, that's, that felt the best right? Uh, because we, and, you know, we put away – our, our organization has put away um, over 180 traffickers wow. um, in, in the last couple of years. How many kids will not be affected now? Uh, the deterrent effect, right? I mean we shut down child trafficking in Cartagena at least for a period. Um, the key is to go back and hit it again, and get the press involved again. Keep talking about it. Keep hitting. Keep talking about it until you know the barriers for entry into that black market are just too high. Yeah, and people stop till no one
3: wants to. Yeah, mess with it. Wow, interesting stuff. Again, we're speaking with um, Tim Ballard, who's the founder and CEO of um, Operation Underground, and also Jerry Mullen, uh, who just is a, an incredible producer, and um, I, I like to just call him a big Hollywood star, Jerry. You're an Academy Award-winning producer for Crying Out Loud. He won't Schindler's bring his Osc- I asked
1: him every time to bring the Oscar. Bring the he Oscar, bring it. man.
3: It's too heavy. <laughs> and we appreciate Kurt. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, continue to discuss um, this this horrendous thing that's going on in the world, folks. But uh, you need to go to Rescue2M.com. Rescue2M.com is a website. you got to go see this movie. It'll be out uh, this weekend, and it'll be coming around the country to a... To a theater near you. So please make sure that you go look up rescue2m.com and also Cinemark and Megaplex Theaters. We'll take a break, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. That is the music from the movie. Um, the abolitionist and um, folks, there's a real problem in the world. And uh, the problem is uh, 21st century slavery and sex trafficking of children. 30 million people are currently living as slaves and 2 million of those are kids in sex trafficking um, situations are being trafficked as, as just objects. And so we've asked, uh, some incredible people. Tim Ballard is joining us. He is the founder and CEO of Operation Underground, which is an organization that is that goes in. They, they're stormtroopers. They go in and just storm these places and throw the criminals in jail and try to upset the apple cart, meanwhile saving the lives of a lot of children. And they've put together the movie and also part of the movie. Jared uh, or Jerry Mullen is joining us, who, again... Um, what an incredible background he has. He's been the producer of, of films, classic films like Min- Minority Report, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, where he won an Oscar for Best Picture. He also um, has been the producer over this show as well. So we're honored to have Jerry here and also Chet Thomas, was the director of the film, who went in and made the pictures. The cool thing about this movie, as I'm hearing about it um, – is my family went to see it on the preview the day i was going to review it i couldn't go but my family saw it and when they came home they were changed and i think that's the purpose of the movie is and my kids i had younger i had younger kids go um but this is a pg-13 movie this isn't something people should be afraid to see this is it's a it's a harsh topic but it's a real topic and when you leave you leave motivated to change lives is that right? Is that the goal, Tim?
1: That's that's exactly the goal. I mean, and I've been so encouraged by seeing people watch watch. Out. I've literally watched thousands of people watch it yeah and i watch them come out and they just say what can i do i gotta get on board how can i do something that's it huh and that's what we need these kids deserve that and that's what we need and so the more people that get into these theaters and this is important it's a numbers game here if we don't do well right now other theaters won't pick it up later so right. we have to do well right now because really kids are at stake here i don't
3: that's right no you, I, yeah. it, it truly is because i
1: know what happens when people see it i get we get more troops
3: more yeah. stormtroopers right. on, on,
1: on the ground. So. And you can
3: open it up. So part of that, Chet, is, so we've got to get people in theaters this weekend in Utah. Right. And then, if it does well in Utah, it'll roll out to other states. Yeah, it'll
0: get pulled into other states. If we can, what the term is, per screen average, if we can sell these theaters out that we have in the Cinemarks and the Larry H. Miller theaters, then others that are watching the numbers will say, well, what is this movie? They'll recognize it and say, no, they, they all feel like they're missing out on something. Yeah. If we can create that scarcity mentality, then they'll pull it in, and then it just catches fire and goes and, and goes. And, and like you were saying before, you know, our our biggest fans are are against this cause are are women. Moms. And moms. Yeah. And, and and they're often the ones that feel like they're scared to go see this movie. And they just – when they come out of the movie, the moms are like, I'm so glad I went. And yeah. now I'm going to bring my 13-year-old daughter or my son That's to make f- sure they get the message. That's
3: the first thing my wife said is, oh, yeah, you're going to have to have them on your show because that <laughs> is – it's incredible. And it really um, – it's, it's – again, we don't want to scare anyone away from it. In fact – there. This is about education, right? Getting right. people involved. And talk about. Um, I know you've you've gone to a bunch of different areas. Haiti was one. I know some of them were in Asia as well. If I recall, last yeah, we've time been we were in
1: on, we've been in close to fifteen different countries. Yeah, That's right, Cartagena other and other yeah. places. Yeah.
3: So give us just maybe Chet walk through a scenario. Maybe like the Haitian scenario. Sure. What what does the average scene
0: look like? Well, uh, I mean, the scene that comes to mind it, it is really interesting. As we're following the team from Operation Underground Railroad, we in Haiti, we were going after a, a little boy that had been kidnapped. His name's Gardy. And, um, and and Tim's team had infiltrated an orphanage. We had taken down, you know, they sold us, you know, a couple of kids, and we had taken down these two individuals and and the scene that comes to mind is you know remember tim when we were sitting in that room and they were interrogating her essentially in the other room and it was it was like a final four game i mean you know N- yeah. nba game for a um, life yeah live and it was going back and forth and the translator was translating uh, the the it was hot i mean it was haiti we were all <laughs> sweating the light above was going zzz, 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 you know <laughs> and it just creates this i mean it was just this energy Incredible. in the room that was going back and forth and seeing if she was gonna say anything about Gardy and what was going on. Tim sends in Dutch who's you know, the hammer and he's gonna try and get it out of her and, and I mean it was just and going back and forth. And the film picks up the energy by oh, the
1: way.
0: And you're just That's watching it. this and, and and you're right there. I mean the cameras are in, in the faces, and it, it really brings you into the moment of what's going on. And, and it's real. It's and real. That's,
3: that's the point, huh, Jerry? Is it's that, real. This Think isn't Hollywood. That. This is real life. I mean, this is crazy because it, it has all the aspects of Hollywood, even the yeah. buzzing light. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which you'd see in a Bond movie or whatever, and yet in the end, it's real-time saving kids' lives. Yeah, that's power. Well, and it's and
0: and if you follow that story through, you know, it's taking those kids that we rescued, getting them into we you know Tim shut down the whole orphanage and pulled all those kids that was a 27, 20, 28. 28 kids, yeah. put them into a, 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 an orphanage to wow. get rehabilitation and and really focusing on that yeah. to making sure you know we don't just save them and, yeah, and leave toss them, Tim them back. The, the, the organization doesn't, but they really make sure that they're. So Tim, talk about that. So
3: when you pulled twenty three, I mean, what is that like? Loading twenty three kids in buses as you drive away from their.
1: Well, it's you know it's there's, there's nothing like it. This this job is bittersweet, and this is that's the sweet part where you yeah. look at these kids and think they have a chance. No, oh, they're not for sale anymore. Right. And um, it's it's you know there, t- two of the kids um, changed my life to the point that something special with the Haiti case. Is, you know, we've done this many times, but two of the kids actually,
0: um, it was I, the two that you, that we the bought, the two
1: that we actually bought that you see in the film right there. Um, we're actually, my wife and I were actually adopting those two children. Are you children. Really? Yeah. It, it was, again, it was an interesting thing because I've been in this situation before and didn't feel this way, but with these kids, it was something that was different. And I yeah. thought this is not enough just to get them into a place where they're not being sold. It's not enough. Right. And, and, um, and, uh. One of my board members, Mark Stott, is is uh, uh, involved in doing the same thing, bringing, bringing some of the kids yeah. home. And and so, uh, yeah, it was life-changing for me in more than one way, for That's sure. That's
3: amazing. And, uh, Jerry, um, you've seen a whole other side of this, too. Like, people go see the movie, they hear stories like this, and then out of nowhere, they just do what they can. You were telling a story about Arda, uh, Arda Mullen, um, who's just making dresses because she can.
6: She saw the film and she was – as we talked about, she was inspired, wanted to do something uh, to help. So she just started making dresses, called and told me she had 50 at one point. By the time we got them picked up, I think she had 70. And this is a woman who was recuperating from a, an accident she had up here on I-15. But it's just the fact that people want to do something. Yeah, that's so, the key, huh? The question always is, what can I do? We want people to, to call their friends, to, get, to use their social media. Let people know. If they've see got four this people, movie.
3: Pass this movie around. Send it on. Share it.
6: Exactly. The more people that understand it, the more people that see it, then the more people for us, Yeah, we're going to end up in the, in the end having guys if, like Tim here rescuing
0: If me. you see it, review it. I mean, give your yeah. opinions. What do Talk you think about, about
3: it. it? Talk about it. And really, it's the whole goal right now is you need people in seats in theaters so that they think it's worth sending out nationwide. And then once mm-hmm. they do it nationwide, then I mean, then I guess people could also go to um Operation Underground because you can also donate time or money or resources or dresses or there's some other way to help.
1: Absolutely. You can visit us at ourrescue.org and uh, learn all about how we're continuing continuing the
6: fight. Man, and and you can not-
0: do you can donate there and you can see what everybody's doing to and and if it's
6: not if it's not in your community ask for it yeah
3: yeah. They demand it go tell your it, the it's the time theater to folks.
6: stop the madness
3: yeah. email the corporate I mean really yeah. it's because again this this is we can do something this isn't 50, 60 years after um, when we're making this movie we're doing it real time and two I guess like you were saying Tim you're changing I mean these are souls right these are beings right and you can't – I mean, humans are using humans.
1: Yeah. It's, and
3: and it's, somebody needs to step in. And you right. think they wouldn't have to come from here, but that's you're being called. Does everybody feel called to this then? I mean, because it's kind of a disparate group. It's a different group that you've thrown together. And yet every time I talk to Tim, I just find more and more people are being called into saying something.
6: Well, it's strange because we have church one day a week and we have 6 days a week for this.
3: Yeah. It's interesting. What if we could dedicate the same spirit the other 6 days? We got it. Save lives. People as soon as
0: people understand the cause or they cross Operation Underground Railroad, they see the movie, they all want to do something, you know. And everybody just needs to look at their talents. What are, you know, hey, if you don't have any talents, then you donate. Right. To Operation Underground
3: Railroad or use your social or media. If you,
0: if you can Yeah, use your social media. If you can sing, sing a song, if you
3: paint, paint. Whatever you can do, you know what you can do. That's right. And the neat thing, I mean, this isn't a charity where anybody's getting rich. This is a charity where you're just being enriched by seeing lives saved. That's right. That's pretty powerful. It is. Tim, you started this so long ago. Again, you wrote a great book, an incredible book on um, on Lincoln. Would you ever have thought it would get here?
1: No. No, not, not at all. I... I I can't, and it's because people. It's because of what we're talking about. It's because people f- get called. I didn't realize how many people would feel called, uh, and tell me a story that sounded very familiar to my own story. Yeah, and and that's how this thing has 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 grown. You know, and, and it can, and
3: like I found out about it from Holly Olson, a mommy, just a cute little mommy that just won't shut her flapper. And she just keeps proselyting about how important this is. So moms don't need to be afraid of this. Moms can step up and get your kids to at least see it and start the conversation and then share it. Social media. Then go to a bunch of websites. One uh, for sure to go to is um, rescue2m.com. And also if you want to go to the movies website because if you're in another state, not Utah, that's going to be seeing the movie or have the chance to see the movie – Go to TheAbolitionistMovie.com uh, to learn more about the movie. But it will be coming. It will be coming as long as we do our job in the next few weeks. Yeah, And right?
0: if you want to be a part of donating or whatever, then you go to the operation uh, – OURrescue.org.
3: OURrescue.org to donate and to get involved any way you can. Well, we appreciate all of you. Again, um, we appreciate Tim Ballard. Thanks for being here. And uh, Jerry Mullen, also thanks. Chet Thomas, thanks for being here. Everybody, thank you for getting it to our attention. Get out there and uh, let's save some lives, folks. Um, it's sad. It's sad that it has to be people using people, but then it, why not? And it could also be people saving people. You go be part of that group. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show helping you uh, find the good in the world. And we just found it at uh, the abolitionists, abolitionistsmovie.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Fascinated by that interview uh, with Tim Ballard and uh, Jerry Mullen. And Abolitionist, the movie, it's, uh, again, the headlines are, they're already talking and still talking about what ISIS is doing, selling these kids into slavery and Boko Haram. You heard about uh, where an entire village of uh, young women were kidnapped and taken away. So. It's a tough world, folks, that we're living in, and you can't fight everything, right? But you can fight what you can fight, and that's what I love about what, what Tim and uh, Operation Underground are doing is it's just, it's just people doing what they can do, and you can go watch the movie. You also can go look at their website, but uh, let's do anything we can, even if we just understand more about uh, slavery and – I mean 30 million people worldwide – are, are still slaves, so it's a, it's a tragedy. But um, again, we're doing what we can, and, and on the show, we're doing what we can as well. Now, an interesting um, little change of subject here: the British uh, have fixed something, a problem that we've been seeing at airports. All of these drones, right? Uh, these drones that are uh, flying near airports, and nobody knows what they're doing. What, what are these little aerial vehicles doing? It's probably some kid with a remote-control airplane, uh, if you remember the day. But the Federal Aviation Administration is expanding efforts to uh, to basically detect small, unmanned aerial vehicles near the airports, and they figured out a way to stop them. This is kind of scary. It, they have a laser-guided defense system. It's called the Ant... Yeah, oh. it works by Tammy's... That just took out three drones. Jamming signals to the drones, making them unresponsive. It's a thermal imaging camera allows the operators to target unwanted drones before jamming the drone with high-powered radio signals. And they just bring them to the ground. Boom! So the Brits are after it, and uh, the anti-drone system is, uh, is proving to, to have a lot of uh, success. Sometimes people are flying their drones in an unsafe manner. So now all of a sudden, when you are at a football game, you may see these lasers up around the stadium that are designed to bring down drones. A lot safer, folks.
2: I think they should implement an explosion aspect to it.
3: You want them to explode. You don't want them to just die out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's not that kind of laser. It's just going to overpower it with, you know, high-powered radio signal. It's safer. Just let it fall. It's still a falling object.
2: Yeah, but if you want to teach them a lesson, like if you want to – Yeah, you want
3: it to explode. You like things to explode. Um, Yeah. But you can't – everything can't explode, Ben. Some things just – have to wither away and die
2: if I were in charge
3: (laughs) once again Ben the reason you're not in charge people would get maimed and hurt Uh, interesting stuff isn't it so if you've got a drone be careful because people are on you they're going to follow you now and now they know how to bring it down that's hour number one of the Matt Townsend show we'll take a break come back next hour we're talking cola wars are colas and you know sugary drinks are they as harmful to our health as we think Stick with us, folks. There's a reason they're after him. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
2: at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1 855
0: Chat BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
3: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Everybody needs a little help sometime, right? That's the job of the show. We give you the tools, the information, the latest, greatest research. Sometimes not even the latest and greatest, just research. Sometimes not even research.
2: Sometimes Terry invented it or discovered it. Yeah,
3: sometimes it's just something Terry found on Russian television. And we bring it, it to you. It was the
2: India Times.
3: It's a Sorry, different thing. Or on the India Times, and the goal is to give you the information you need to live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. Because you don't have time to go chase it all yourself, and a lot of it's not on the news. Thank heavens! Welcome to the program. Um, it's a it's a great day, right? It's it's a happy day. It's Thursday. It's also um, you know National Celebrate Baba's Baba Day. The day you celebrate anybody you know named Bubba, which in many worlds, you know, they they don't pay attention to that. Like Bubba. Um, Today we learned Bubba is a Yiddish name for grandmother. It's good to know. You never know when you're going to need to, you know, drop the name Bubba Hmm. when you're in Israel or somewhere. Anyway, we got a great show for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about soda wars. Is the war on soda justified? Now, uh, Philadelphia's mayor has decided he's going to basically tax sugary drinks, or attempt to. Attempt I don't know to. if the laws
4: have been passed, but yeah, they're pushing for this. New York's already on it. They did it what a couple of years? Was it Giuliani? No, it was, it was, it was uh, after Bloomberg. Him. Bloomberg. He tried to do the. Yeah, you could only do, get well, like sixteen ounces of soda at a time, so you'd buy two of them and get a bigger cup. So you get your thirty-two. <laughs>
3: Excuse me, sir. How much soda do you
4: have? At the time you could actually have more like personal uh, use marijuana on you than soda. ounces of soda. Wow. It was legal to have more of that, you know, that, it was just that's how the laws were at the time. So I mean, people were just, just kinda soda, going man, out of their relax. mind. She's <laughs> some soda.
3: But there's a war on soda, and we will be speaking with Dr. Ayala Laufer-Kahana, who has a website, wrote a wonderful article on the soda war, and there is a, there's a reason. It's really a sugar war.
4: It's a liquidy sugar war is what they're after. The bigger question is, right, they're looking at a public health situation. It's right. a public health question, is it the government's job to police the intake of sugar? Yeah. Or is it a personal choice? Well, you would think it would be up to your own agency, your own personal choice.
3: But apparently it's better to have a government watchdog sitting right next to you
4: holding your beverage for you. <sighs> so that, that's really the, the bigger question of it. And then it just being manifest now in soda. Yeah. So the good doctor, a pediatrician is going to talk to us about
3: why there's a war on soda. She's also, by the way, an inventor that invented her own drink. Hmm. So you never know. Again, it's the sugar we're after and what happens when they use soda. It's not the soda that's the problem, right? It's the sugar. Well, it depends. It's not the carbonated water that they're mad about. There's people
4: that say the carbonated water isn't good for you either. Well, I know, but that's not what Bloomberg was after. No. Matt, I think you're just
2: justifying your Diet Coke. Yeah. This could be a problem.
4: But
3: it won't be because tomorrow's another day. (laughs) We'll just move on. Let's just move on so we'll be getting to the soda wars in just a few moments also more headlines and information some of it you even need to know but first let's get to the other headlines that you do need to know uh terry what's going on around the rest of the country
4: thanks matt brian pagliano refuses to talk the former state department staffer who had a hand in setting up hillary clinton's private email server will invoke his fifth amendment rights against self-incrimination and decline to answer questions on the matter in a june 6th deposition lawyers say pagliano who worked on the likely Democratic presidential nominee's 2008 campaign is said to be deposed in a civil public records uh, lawsuit in Washington, D.C. Pagliano has also refused to appear before a House panel investigating the 2012 Benghazi consul, uh, consulate attacks. Wow. So that's the... Uh, that's weird
3: because he, the, the government gave him immunity. Yes. But I guess in these civil lawsuits, he doesn't have immunity. No. So he'll just plead the fifth. He'll just plead the fifth. Huh.
4: President Obama told vo- voters no, in no uncertain terms on Wednesday that Donald Trump and the GOP are misleading them on feasibil- feasible policies and promises regarding the economy. Now Trump has hit back telling an audience at his rally in Sacramento last night that Obama doesn't have a clue and that if he campaigns, that means I'm allowed to hit him just like I hit Bill Clinton. He shouldn't campaign, Trump went on. He should go out and do the job that he's supposed to be doing. Wow.
3: <laughs> this is crazy.
4: Remember I mean, we said this is yeah. going to get worse? Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: And the president's now getting involved.
4: Yes. Which is... And... He did a town hall meeting last night and talked about it some more on, mm-hmm. on PBS. So... Hmm. Uh, A gunman who allegedly shot two Northern California police officers was still locked in a standoff with police at about 3 a.m. local time this morning. Authorities said the wounded officers of the Fremont Police Department were shot when a a traffic stop turned violent and spilled into a chase. One of the officers remained in critical condition early Thursday. The other is listed in stable condition. The suspected shooter was reportedly cornered in a Fremont home after an hours-long door-to-door manhunt. Wow. So I checked. That story seems to be... Ongoing, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is unveiling proposed new rules that would extend federal oversight to the payday loan industry. The CFPB and the payday lending industry agree that the new rules enacted will radically transform the thirty-eight billion dollar high-interest, low-dollar loan market. The payday industry argues the rules would gut the industry, cutting off access to credit for low-income borrowers. The agency and the consumer advo- and many consumer advocacy advocacy groups say the new rules are necessary to rein in practices that gouge customers with effective annual interest rates of 390% or more. Hmm. We've talked about this on the show. Yeah. Now they're stepping in, trying to rein that in and Rain try to Whoa. make it so they're not. I, it's seen as predatory with the guy we had on right. the show saying yeah. there's people that, that use it effectively and use it as you should. Other people don't right. pay off the loan and they end up in, a, in problems. So By the way, depends. much like all the other credit we have. <clears throat> Yes. You know, credit could be your friend or your foe. Or your foe, depending on and how... And they're it, calling you. How you manage it. Finally, a six-year-old boy from Quincy, Massachusetts called 911 on his father. Uh-oh.
6: What did his we father... We have the made. recording. 911 is the What's your emergency? Um, daddy went past a red
2: light.
6: Yeah?
5: My daddy went past a red light. He has a black truck. And it, it was in... It was in the brand new car, my mommy's car.
6: Yeah.
2: And then, um... And
6: what
2: happened? And then he just... And he had to go to the car wash, and then he went past the red light. He did? Mm Mm-hmm. Is he home
0: right now? Yeah. Can I talk
2: to him?
4: Yeah. So it goes on. The 911 operator gets the father on the phone, and he's like, I'm really sorry my kid called 911. Dad ran a red light. Yeah. The kid's like, he broke the law. I'm going to call 911. So We'll send somebody down right away. <laughs> I bet he got arrested. Did he get arrested? No. The dispatcher, uh, he, he asked Robert to get his father. Robert's father gets on the line, quickly realizes what the call's about because the kid <laughs> goes, Dad, the phone's for you. <laughs> it's Officer Jones. He's like, "Oh no, I really apologize." He says with we'll a laugh before telling the dispatcher that there is no emergency. The uh they said the the phone call was pretty unique. They said they get hang ups and stuff yeah. like that, so added some levity. But you it's know, cute call nine one one emergencies only. That's don't why whenever I run a red light, I always
3: tell my kids, "Look over there," and they all look away, and then I run it. They don't even know I
4: ran it. The police say that uh, no ticket was issued to the father.
3: Whew. Oh, kids. You guys say the darnest things, man. Um, okay, well at least you know, at least the kids had a clue. Do you hear about this Florida man? This is this is incredible. By the way, out of Florida. Hmm. Interesting. Florida man finds a bullet hole days after shooting himself. Oh look at that! I've been impaled. <laughs> a bullet hole. That's three days after shooting himself. A Deltona, Florida man. Was cleaning his handgun, you know, which you do, hmm. a twenty-two. right? And uh, Blevins, uh, the deputy's, uh, his name is Michael Blevins, 37, and he, he, he fired the gun. The gun went off. He was holding it against his chest because I guess he didn't want his dog to jump near it. But uh, when Blevins stood up, he felt this sharp pain, causing his back to give out, and he fell face down. <laughs> The poor guy fell down, hit his face on a glass table, which cut his eye. (laughs) Dang, that bullet's gone. He's going. (laughs) The gun went off, fired it. He didn't feel it go through his arm. He just had more pain in his face because he fell, and he thought it was his back. Hmm. And he was taking back pain medicine, and uh, he never noticed his bullet hole in his arm. And the police said he didn't notice the injury on his left arm. Because you know he just went around his normal, uh, he went about his normal routine for the next two days, and then when he changed his shirt, two days later, yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, point just that a technicality. Out. Gross. It revealed blood stains, and then he realized, whoa, whoa, I got a, I got a bullet wound. It was through, it was through and through wound. So it was in one side and out the other side. And But it had cauterized, you know, it had kind of taken care of itself. He was already on his way to healing. What caught my attention is this guy doesn't change
4: his clothes daily. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if he did, he would have noticed, hey, I got shot.
3: But he has a back injury, right? So he's probably, <laughs> it's probably harder. And he probably, he's not out sweating. He's probably hurt with his back. And... It's Florida. The entire state sweats. It's hot down there. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I mean, luckily he found it, right? I mean, yeah. who knows what... Happens when you don't find a bullet wound for three days. Anyway.
4: That was my whole takeaway from that story. That guy doesn't change his clothes? Wow. <laughs> but he, he, he probably just he's he's – he's got a lot of drugs on board. Back yeah. pain. He sounds like uh, he has other issues. Well, and now like he's got a wardrobe. facial wound too, so <laughs> – it's not. It's, it was a bad day for me. How often do you stand up and go, did I shoot myself? I don't remember doing that. I know. That's not good. Did you hear – this is bad
3: news, uh, and it's kind of going to segue perfectly into our next guest. Hmm. Being overweight and having a large waistline increases the risk of prostate cancer. Wow. So if you got yourself a, a gut – But keep it trim around the waist. Stay trim around the waist, and you'll have a lower chance of prostate cancer the risk of developing aggressive prostate cancer can be worsened by being unhealthy or having an unhealthy weight, having a large waistline the studies found. 18% increased risk of cancer. prostate cancer. And then again it brings up the BMI, body mass index, which is something that uh, this show does not like or approve of. No. We do not endorse the BMI. We do not endorse the BMI. It's corrupt. It's it's a it's yeah, it's a trap. Uh, the study by scientists at the University of Oxford examined more than 140,000 men across eight countries with the average age of 52 years. Anyway, they found that uh, if you e- – even just a four-inch increase in your waistline is a 13-inch increase in the risk of developing
4: cancer. Wow. Man. So if you keep a trim rate – a waist, you can get as big as you want. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. Okay. Just I try to grow my weight – in my appendages. Yeah. It's better. You know it's better mean? away from the heart. It's – I think it's a lot better that way. Arms and legs. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so sad but so More true. More like Popeye, right?
4: You got to stay healthy
3: which is why our next guest is coming on and she's going to be talking to us about why soda is, is so bad for your health. I mean we've had – we've talked about soda every way you can talk about it. The, and soda meaning sugary drink
4: sh- – sugary drinks, also known as sodas – also known as pop. We had someone on talking about aspartame. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. Some of the sweeteners they put in there and what yeah. that
3: can do to is you. Is that know? really – are you really going to die of cancer because of aspartame? Mm-hmm. We've talked about – we've never actually talked about the soda.
4: I think the thing that really intrigues me is you can take a soda. Yeah. Pour it on concrete on it like a oil stain if your car is dripping oil sure. on your driveway. Right. And just take that oil right off. Yeah. And you go ahead and consume this. Mm-hmm. And point? I know that. Well, what's the point? And it doesn't really stop me from oh, no. from drinking. <laughs> well, why Why would it?
3: You can take water, and if you drip water long enough, you'll have the Grand Canyon. That's you know I mean? true. Come on. We're drinking water left and right.
2: But imagine if that was Diet Coke that was dripping into the Grand We'd Canyon. We'd have a
3: well, – that would be the best Grand Canyon. That would be the grandest canyon ever. <laughs> it would be – but it would have been cut and carved in half the time. Mm-hmm. Health, folks, we're going to be talking about it up next here uh, about the cola wars. What is the big deal with soda? Why are the government? Why is the government in so many cities now trying to make money taxing people for drinking soda? Come on. Stick with us. We'll sort it through. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, all you soda drinkers. This is uh, Dr. Matt here, and today we're talking about obesity in the United States. You know, it's a growing health concern. Everywhere you turn, experts weigh in on how to reduce obesity, whether it's aerobic exercise, eight hours of sleep, or your diet. Experts are finding ways to fight the health epidemic, and this raises the question about the war on soda, You've heard in New York City now in Philadelphia there, there are proposals to start to tax soda um, and our guest Dr. Ayala La, uh, Ayala Kahana is joining us. She has a wonderful website uh, titled uh, or called dr. Ayala.com, and she wrote an article that we wanted to address that is all about the war on soda. Is it justified or not? Dr. Ayala, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi. How are you nice today?
7: to be with you. <laughs>
3: Great to have you. And we loved your article about uh, the soda war because it, it, it clarified, I think, so much about what's going on. Now, you're, I mean, you're a physician. You're a, an expert in pediatrics and medical genetics. Is When you think of the soda war um, and the taxes that are being raised around soda now, what is it really about? Because it's really more about a medical issue than it is, um, you know, a soda issue.
7: Exactly. I think that um, as we have come to understand the obesity epidemic, uh, the the most important thing is how do we prevent obesity? And then how do we treat what's already here? And when we look at uh, where the calories are coming, a major thing that we need to address is sugar. Uh, the American diet is composed of a lot of sugar, Twenty percent of the diet is just added sugar. Wow. Of that added sugar, there's, um, if you look at the distribution, a third of it, a full third of it is just sugar in drinks. So first of all, the added sugar is really just added. It's of no nutritional value and it is very detrimental to health. There are many, many studies tying sugar with a lot of the things that you discussed before. Sugar um, increases cholesterol, it increases triglycerides, it, um, it is detrimental to our metabolism of insulin, so it is tied very tightly to what is called the metabolic syndrome, which is a risk factor for heart disease and for diabetes. Hmm. And it's... then, oh, go ahead. If, you, if you look at uh, where that sugar is hiding, most of it is not sugar that we add by the teaspoon to our food. Most of it is in food already. And the major uh, source of added sugar is really soda. Soda is everywhere. We consume it all the time. And there is a special risk tied to uh, sugary drink. It, sugary drinks are much worse than the sugar in your ice cream they are much worse than the sugar in candy for several reasons.
3: You call it liquid sugar, right? Sugar in the form of liquid is a greater risk than just sugar in the form of a Twinkie. Exactly. Okay. For
7: several reasons. Yeah. First of all, um, scientifically, we know that it acts differently in the body. There are several studies that show that People that take the same amount of sugar in liquid form have uh, worse metabolic outcomes. Their their cholesterol changes in a different way. Their insulin resistance is worse. Um, So the scientific data shows that it's worse. And there are several reasons why that is so. One of them is the rate at which you absorb liquid sugar mm. it just goes down really quickly with nothing in it so we have come to understand that although all sugars are you know four, you know, four calories a gram the way it is um, ingested is quite different and the sugars in fruit are no problem no problem at all there is absolutely nothing to suggest that the fact that fruit have sugar has sugar is any problem at all. On the other hand, the sugar, when it comes especially in liquid form, is very detrimental to health. And study after study shows there's a unique place for sugary drinks in what we see now in the epidemic of obesity and diabetes.
3: I mean, that's it, huh? uh, As we're drinking more and more sugary drinks, the diabetes and... and, um and our ability to manage our insulin, I mean that has – that's got to be a shock to your system um, that – and your, I guess your pancreas that's uh, – is it your pancreas that delivers insulin? Exactly. So all of a sudden you're you're like hyper-shooting up with uh, sugar and then your body has to produce insulin at a rate it's probably not used to doing. Exactly. And we do and that over years, and the you, yeah, then diabetes becomes. That's the diabetes too, Then is is uh, markedly going up too, huh?
7: Exactly, exactly right.
3: Wow, and, and so really, the the real battle when we think of a cola war, it's really the the biggest battle. I mean, there's a million health issues with sodas and cola drinks and all of that, and the caffeine and aspartame. Those are all unhealthy, probably. It's just, but the sugar war. Is the one that's causing kind of a direct correlation to obesity, which is directly impacting our public health
7: exactly the other part of why sugary why liquid sugar is so much worse is because it does not lead to satiety
3: yeah it doesn't um, fill us up
7: it it just doesn't um, if you If you eat some candy, you will probably Compensate for that in the next meal Whatever you eat If you eat ice cream You'll, prob- you'll probably eat a little less whatever you, whatever you do Usually is somewhat compensated And then again The science shows us That sugar in uh, liquid form Just isn't compensated You might even eat more When you are eating your steak Or your fries Or your hamburger With a bottle of, uh, of soda
3: Holy cow! So, grabbing a sugary drink, it, it'll produce energy. I'm assuming, uh, but it'll burn faster. Your body will—it'll uh, create kind of an insulin issue, and um, also it won't satiate us. So we'll be eating something relatively quickly once we've burnt through that fast sugar. Yeah. Man. Well,
7: somehow we just don't count. the the liquid form of it just doesn't cause satiety Um, there are all kinds of explanations of why that might be but uh, it ends up that um, if you are taking in 300 calories in sugary drinks these are just extra these do not come off and are not compensated with uh, a reduction in how much you'll eat
3: it's really um, it's wasted calories if you're going if, I mean if you're counting calories, you don't want to get calories through a liquid
7: exactly so so um, as as health experts start looking at sugar um, the guidance from pretty much everybody there's really um, complete agreement on that soda is the first thing to go it's the first thing that has to be eliminated from the diet. First of all, it's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the easiest. Not that I'm saying that it's easy to change any habit, but as far as eating, most of the things that you take off the diet, you're hungry. Right. <laughs> it's really hard to reduce your caloric intake. Somehow, with uh, with soda, it is really just a habit. Just a habit. Yeah. Because you're no hungrier when you re- when you replace uh, soda with uh, water or a flavored, a flavored water or with, so, you know, with just uh, uh, club soda, you're no hungrier. It's the easiest thing to, uh, to change. Once you change it, you are no hungrier and it's easier to keep.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's and it, it probably just just changing that habit would save you a lot of money.
7: A lot of money and a lot of health.
3: Yeah, a lot the, of health. The health
7: money is major because yeah. the 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 price of the soda does not reflect – that's one of the problems. It is extremely cheap when you go to the convenience mm-hmm. store, and it's extremely expensive in um, suffering and public health.
3: Yeah, and the health cost. Um, it's a uh, – and our children that, – that's what's hard about this is it's our children that will suffer – we're the parents and we're the ones buying these drinks um, and but then too I mean there's also availability I mean there's a lot of discussion about uh, lower income areas don't always have um, I mean there's always water they have better choices but we've got to educate and get everybody educated to know what the choices are and you know these kids will line up at their schools to get a, a pop or a soda mm-hmm. when um, there's a drinking fountain right next to the mm-hmm. the very machine they're buying the soda out of
7: Yeah, you know, (laughs) this is one of the things we have evolved to crave sweetness, love sweetness. And um, what happened with soda with many, many decades without anybody saying anything is that uh, it combines everything. First of all, it's sweet. People love it. Yeah. Then it's heavily, heavily marketed, especially to young people, especially in places where, uh, you know, uh, the kind of communities where the income is lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then there's 100 percent availability. It's just you, you can't. I don't know. When I was a child, there wasn't that much. But now you can't, you can't walk a block without having a place that dispenses yeah. Sugary drinks. It's the most available. And then it's so, so cheap. It's it, You know, money doesn't even come into, into the consideration of anybody because it's a cheap treat.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's almost not even considered a treat anymore, right? It's a staple. Mm-hmm. You need a drink. Hello. But it's, it, I mean, I remember as a kid when it was a treat, right? When you'd go to the store and grandpa would buy you a Coca-Cola in a bottle, and you'd take the cap off right there at the machine, and it was a treat, and everyone would stand around like you're eating an ice cream cone.
7: But exactly. Now it's exactly. just, hey,
3: that's just another course of the meal.
7: Exactly, and it used to be a small bottle, you know, you would...
3: Yeah, oh yeah, like, yeah, an 8-ounce, 10-ounce bottle, right. <laughs> you Holy cow. it
7: slowly and savor it. Uh-huh. Now it's supposed to be gulped.
3: You'd chug it. <laughs> Let's take a break. We're speaking with Dr. Ayala Laufer Kahana and she's walking us through her uh an article that she wrote is the war on soda justified. Uh, it's I think so, I think yes. Uh, the answer is yes. We're going to come back more with Dr. Ayala um, and her website ayala.com, drayala.com. Uh we're going to be talking about other options that we have. In fact, she's even just on her own put together a, a, a drink, a beverage that's healthy that's good for you. And we're going to get just hooked, folks, on healthier drinks after this break. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about the soda wars, and uh, we just learned liquid sugar, folks. It's going to kill you, one way or another. Your body just it absorbs it so quickly that uh, to calibrate the insulin you need that messes gets messed up. Also, it just uh, it's it's so affordable to us that we're taking on more and more of this of sugar. But sugar, uh, especially liquid sugar, it doesn't fill you up. So not only do you take on additional calories, but you're still hungry. So then you obviously need a Twinkie. Joining us is Dr. Ayala Laufer Kahana. She uh, has a wonderful website. She's a, a pediatric uh, a pediatrician and a medical geneticist and an entrepreneur. She also has a wonderful blog um, with, with just great insights and resources for us about our diets and uh, recipes you can look at. Dr. Ayala, thank you so much for being with us again.
7: Oh so so glad to be
3: here. The um the, the I guess the issue you were saying is it the soda becomes a habit, right? So we're we get in this habit of doing something that's unhealthy that I mean if a soda could add 2 or 300 calories a shot and you're mm-hmm. you're having 5 or 6 of them you're putting in 1000 calories a day that aren't even of any value to you really but habitually you're doing it. And you're saying it's as simple as we just need to find a way to make water or whatever, flavored water, some other uh, healthier substitute, the habit.
7: Yes, and that used to be people's habit.
3: (laughs) Right. It was Um, the only thing you um, had, right?
7: Yes, and uh, I think that if you look at the new advice, from the American Heart Association from the World Health, Health Organization at what is the upper limit of how much added sugar you should be taking there's no room for even one can of soda hmm. because uh, the advice is really for women and children not to take more than hundred calories of added sugar that's throughout the day and uh, for men no more than 150 calories that's throughout the day so um, I, I personally, I'm keeping that for dessert because I think dessert is is worth it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, you need a few treats in life, um, in many aspects of life, but in food too, dessert is worth it. That's where I keep my added sugar for. And that's it. There's really no room for that um, because even one can of uh, soda is more than the daily allowance. Hmm. So, what should you do? Yeah. I think that um, water is wonderful, and um, I, I think that uh, we have some worries about the safety of water in some places, but in many other places, the water is safe to drink, and if not uh, there's always uh, sources of uh, good water to drink, so that should be that should be there, and we should make sure that uh, safe um, cool um, water fountains are uh, available to our kids in schools and wherever they are.
3: Does so does it matter how reason? much, Dr. Ayala, does it matter how much water we drink? How much are we supposed to be drinking? Every time I, I hear eight <laughs> glasses, I don't know. What's Is there a number?
7: I don't think you'll get a scientific answer to that, but the rule of thumb is that Ah, uh, drinking a lot of water is good. Yeah, you better err on the side of more. But the uh, the A today is not a scientific answer. Can okay, help me uh, with
3: this but. one then, if I because what I have found is when I seem to be drinking the proper amount of water, I also seem to be spending an equal amount of time in the restroom. <laughs> and I guess that's just normal, or does you know yeah, when you get really good, good at thing. this, your body will normalize
7: that that is a good thing we are we are supposed to be flushing our body with a lot of water, and I think that um it is normal yeah okay. not supposed to go to the bathroom every once in a while
3: just that bring a book is nice. i mean yeah i mean I guess that's the key is that's part of being healthy right and I guess too, it's also getting you up and moving and it's getting you um it's it's that's a great way you put it flushing you out
7: yeah. So, uh, as far as um, there are many good things to drink besides uh, sugary drinks, I, I think what uh, what is important to know is that another thing that it does it completely blunts your sense of uh, taste because it is so overwhelmingly um, sweet and flavorful that it really um, sort of dampens your understanding of everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's such a shock to your to your taste but and uh, one of the things that I tried to to introduce, that I introduced to the market, is uh, my herbal water, which is basically the drink that I used to make in my home always. That's mm-hmm. what's served in my home. It's a combination of uh, organic herbs, and they're combined just so, so that it's mellow and uh, delicious and it... Adds enough flavor to keep you interested, and it hydrates. And there's nothing else in it, you know. It's yeah, just, uh, organic herbs with no sweeteners of any kind.
3: And you you actually do you market this now?
7: Yes, it's called Herbal Water, and uh, you can go to the website herbalwater.com where you'll find the uh, flavors.
3: I mean and that it's it's that's what's so. It used to be that you'd have to go to the well or the watering hole you'd you'd put the water in your container and if you wanted to flavor it you'd throw you know a leaf in it <laughs> and a twig and really what's what's what we're doing is we're now getting back to just you got to go find some good herbs and um flavor up the water and it, it seems like it shouldn't be something new to us but it is.
7: Yeah. I uh, I think it used to be obvious. Yeah. A lot of things used to be obvious before we were bombarded with so much marketing and so much um, so much messaging that doesn 't make sense and it takes a moment to really just figure out that what we 're doing doesn't make sense. it just doesn't make sense
3: no it doesn't and and it's and it 's killing us
7: yeah I, I think we are going to look back at um, the way we drank ourselves. Heavy, the way we drank ourselves into obesity in a few decades, and we just will not believe it. We will look upon it in the way we now look at uh, the movies from the fifties and sixties with all those smoke-filled rooms, and we just will just say, how how did we do that? Yeah. How did we get our kids to drink this, to drink this, and be uh, obese? A third of them are overweight and obese. Before they finish school
3: and I guess this is now what's taking off in the discussion and why the Cola wars is it's a pretty important discussion because it's not about Cola and it's not about rights, it's about health, right? this is about these are conversations we should be having, and the more we have them, the more we're at least going to get people either educated or and informed, um, but maybe create a change
7: exactly. Exactly, because I think that um, we've looked at what it is to lose weight and keep it off for a long time. It is the hardest, hardest battle. It, it really is. It, it's, what, it's what fuels uh, the multi, multi-billion industries. But in the end, I think the the truth is out there. It is really, really hard to keep the weight off. Um, And unless we make it a little easier for people to make the right choices, to to not trip into a life in which they're constantly struggling, um, this is not really winnable on a public health point point of view. I think that uh, it needs to be easier to not gain weight.
3: Yeah. And it's um, then they add other things, caffeine that might make it more addictive. And mm-hmm. just now we have these other drinks, these energy drinks and really high sugary energy drinks. It's uh, it seems like it seems like the the makers of these drinks are going to keep pushing our limits until we push back. So uh it's probably it's super important to be informed. But we appreciate your great insight and your work. Um, keep it up. Uh, and everybody go to DrAyala.com or HerbalWater.com to learn more about a healthy solution to uh, to soda. Thank you so much, Dr. Ayala.
7: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
3: You bet. Folks, it's your life, right? It's your waste. It's your waistline. What do we do? You got to take over your life a bit here parents figure it out just cut out the drinks my my kids water we'll drink water but it is a treat and it probably should be seen as a treat you know just like a dessert instead of what we you know just another serving will be our soda we'll take a break folks this is the matt townsend show we'll be right back with little coach's corner stick with us
1: Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner.
6: Play ball!
3: Welcome back, friends. Little coach's corner for you. We just learned about our uh, physical health, right? You gotta, you gotta lose the soda. And I'm going to say, <laughs> just for my own sake, you gotta lose the sugary soda. The 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 cancerous uh, acidic soda without sugar, totally fine. No, it's not. More water, folks. Now, we tell our kids all of these things, and yet, uh, isn't it hard? Um, We we heard earlier in the show the story about the son who called the police because his dad ran a red light. Mmm, thanks, Dad. There's certain things that they see out of you, right? Uh, They see how you handle stuff. They see what you're doing. Your kids are watching you. And they don't really have a shot at a healthy life if you don't provide it. And I'm not here to make you depressed because you're just such a horrible parent, because you're not. But they're watching. They are watching. And if we want any hope of being able to lead our families, we, we probably need to master ourselves. And find one thing, just one thing. And maybe soda is the way to begin. If you know you're a big soda lover, soda drinker, deal with it. Find a way to break the habit. And I wouldn't personally just go diet. I've been diet and that doesn't help. I find that about three times a year I quit soda for about a month. And then I go out with a bunch of friends and I watch them drink soda and I'm like, oh, you guys are lucky. Can I just smell your drink? It's, I feel like I'm an alcoholic and I never had alcohol. So uh, how do we break a habit? How do we break it? And But also one of the things I would think about is instead of building the story and the belief that habits are hard to break, let's find a better reason to have the habit. Why why would it be valuable for you to get rid of the soda? Well, my kids would be healthier, we would save money. Yeah, what else? We've got to figure out a way deep deep down to drive this meaning much deeper than having it be about soda. And you don't even you got to be careful. You don't want your identity to be, "Well, I don't drink soda. I've never had sugar on my lips for the last 6 years." It drives me crazy when we become so adamant about one thing and we've created our entire identity by not doing something. You also need to have your identity being something you do do, something that you are, right? It's, I guess, easier to say what you're not, but sometimes we need to know what you are. So it's not just about a soda war. It's not just about, I'm a lazy bum and I can't get off of sugar. You you also have to find what you are. And as soon as you can connect to that deeper meaning in your life and the deeper purpose of what you're about, you'll see that it's not about soda. I have a belief that if we could connect to our deepest, most spiritual self, we wouldn't drink soda, Right? We also probably wouldn't make fun of people and we wouldn't yell and we wouldn't hold grudges because there's a deeper, better side of all of us, and, uh, but our body is constantly battling that. So if we want to fix it, you don't necessarily have to just bare knuckle it and hunker down and get rid of everything in life that tastes good. You might also just want to figure out a deeper purpose for who you are. And again, you don't also have to go sit on a mountain like a monk and meditate. What it might simply mean is I got to just figure out why health is so important to me. And it might simply be because it gives me a body that works. And when my body works, it makes this life a little easier to live. It gives me a chance to live longer so I can learn more. If I can figure out why I'm even on this big ball of mud, this planet... Then I want to be here to to learn. I think I'm here to learn, and if I'm slowly burning the candle at both ends of my life, then my learning is going to be shortchanged, and shortchanged simply because I like sugar. I again, I don't think I don't think your God is up there sitting like I cannot believe He's drinking another super big gulp. But your conscience might be telling you something. And it might be telling you something because you know something about you. You know that you're not drinking enough or you're not eating enough vegetables or you're not being the person you need to be. And you can just, I guess, go medicate it by you know escaping and getting away from it. Or you could just dig a little deeper and find some other way to connect to a deeper reason why you want to do – why you want to get healthier. It's, if it's just about getting in the bathing suit, I promise it won't work. You might get in the bathing suit. But, you know, it might break or it might not last very long. There's always the deeper reason. And so get out of your body. Get out of your mind that kind of justifies everything we do. And let's get down to our spirit, that uh, deeper inner connected being that you are and see what it's telling you. It's 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 still telling you no matter what you're loved, you're a great person, you're wonderful, even if you're drinking, you know, Cola. And it's also telling you, you can stop. You can moderate it. You could get in charge of it and lead it a little bit more. Everyone's going to have a trial. Everyone's going to have a challenge. Everyone. If your challenge are sugary drinks, okay. But no, that's not the real challenge. The real challenge is becoming the best you you can become. And you're not bad because you do it. You just, you need to figure it out. No matter what the addiction or no matter what, the uh, the craving is, right? Interesting stuff, folks. That's the coach's corner. We'll take a break. We've got a whole other hour, folks. Stick with us. Next uh, hour, we're going to be talking about bed bugs, junk in your bed, mites. Ugh. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
2: At Dr. Matt Show. Call
0: the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr.
0: Matt Townsend.
1: Now
3: on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
3: Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number three. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, helping you get through life. Happy leave the office earlier day. This is the day that uh, Ben leaves even earlier, which means he'll probably be going, I don't know, in the next 20 minutes before the show's
4: even over. He's out of here.
2: I'll bring you into a segment and I'll just leave. Yeah.
4: No, believe me. Should I close the door? Not as if he hasn't done that before. No, exactly.
2: Okay, yeah, but that was different.
4: He's like, I'm sick. I can't finish the show. What are you doing? Remember when he had Ebola? Yeah. That was bad.
2: I actually... I think it was Listeria.
4: Yeah, Yeah. Listeria. It was hysterical. Intestinal diseases are no excuse to skip the show. You must be here till the end.
3: That was too bad, too, because that's when you started losing ice cream cells. Yeah. Anyway, it's also, by the way, this is a a fun one. It's National Bubba Day. The day of Bubba.
4: Do you personally know a Bubba? (sighs) I, I don't. I do not know any Bubbas. Um, just Bubba Gump and the shrimp there. I love Bubba Gump.
8: Deep fry,
5: deep fry, stir fry.
8: Mm.
4: Someone called me Bubba once, I think, but that was more like I don't know your name. Hey Bubba, it was more like Hey Bub, Hey Bub, what's going on with you? Yeah, this Bubba shrimp.
3: <laughs> Who who'd have thunk that there were so many ways to handle shrimp? Right, shrimp burger. That's just about it. Yeah. You it Everybody knows a Bubba. Bubba, by the way, did you know, is a Yiddish word for grandmother, hmm. which is, I mean, that's not how we're using it in the South. Bubba, it's also, you were saying it might be, it might, you know, be somebody that can't pronounce brother.
4: Or just, you know, little kids have a hard time with language sometimes, yeah. and then that nickname sticks, and then it just continues throughout life.
3: Yeah. But some people are just, they're just a Bubba. They just look like a Bubba. They act like a Bubba. Right. I think it's a cool
4: name. What what does it mean to act like a Bubba?
3: Well, just imagine Ben.
4: Okay. There you have it.
3: Okay, well.
4: Bubba. I think that clears everything up. Thank you. I have nothing to say. Hey, how do you say Bubba in German? Bubba. Oh, brother. Bubba. Make something up. Nobody knows German.
3: Not even the same.
4: Drives me crazy. Just say
3: like cucumber or something. No one's gonna know. We will be talking more about Bubba and Rocky Road Day. It's also Rocky Road Day. Mm, that sounds delicious. Plus, we will be uh, talking about bed bugs. Apparently, if you listen to the radio, they're telling you you need to change your and rotate out your mattress every eight years because it's infested with mites. Dust mites. Dust mites just that are eating your skin cells. <clears throat> and we are going to we're going to blow that up. We've got two professors here from Brigham Young University, uh, Dr. Jim Johnston, Dr. Scott Weber. They're going to tell us if that's true. Do we really need – are the dust mites after us? Are they slowly eating us and destroying us? Does your air conditioning and your humidity have anything to do with that in your home? We'll get to the truth. They did
4: some research.
3: We'll talk about it. We'll get to that in a minute. Also be visiting our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up uh, on their show a little bit later. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's up around the country?
4: Thanks, Matt. The victim in a shooting incident on UCLA's campus Wednesday has been identified as William S. Klug, an engineering professor. Klug was one of two men found dead in an engineering building office. In what investigators determined to be an apparent murder-suicide, he was reportedly a married father of a married father of two young children. The shooter is identified as an engineering student, uh, Manak Sakar, who m- many have uh, be- may have been despondent over some bad grades. It's the uh, campus was in the middle of finals. It's finals oh, wow. week at UCLA. A lot so of pressure. A lot of pressure, and this might have uh, led to this incident. They're still investigating. UCLA was shut down on Wednesday but is open this morning. The engineering building will be closed the rest of the week. Hmm. That was the crime scene. Hillary Clinton went after Donald Trump, calling him a fraud over his involvement with Trump University. Donald Trump went after Hillary Clinton at a rally in Sacramento, calling her crooked Hillary and criticizing her foreign policy speech that she is set to deliver later today.
6: Do you really believe that Hillary is presidential? She went to sleep when our ambassador was murdered. The Libya invasion was disgusting. She should not be allowed to run.
4: All delivered with the big red Make America Great hat on. <laughs> yep. Which doesn't, I don't know. It no. seems, it's a, it's, the optics are different there. It just
3: means he landed in
4: a helicopter. It was his airplane. Yeah. And then they played the the Stadium Rock CD uh-huh. as he came down the stairs and... There he is. the Trump rally at an airport. The man, the myth, the legend. Police in Cincinnati will not recommend criminal charges against the mother of the three-year-old boy who fell into a gorilla exhibit at the city zoo. The Cincinnati Inquirer reports, citing sources close to the investigation. The boy was dragged by the 450-pound gorilla into the enclosure but came away with minor injuries. The gorilla was immediately shot and killed in order to keep the young boy safe. The family of the three-year-old boy who fell into the enclosure said Wednesday that it will not sue the zoo over the incident. Well good. good. What are they going to
3: sue about? Everybody's happy. No one was arrested. It's just this happens. Yes. These are kids.
4: We'll, we'll see, because there's animal rights groups that are getting involved, right. and the, the government has their agencies that have to investigate. Wait till Trump gets a hold of this one. Trump's getting, yeah. So, uh, Kenneth Starr, the former yes. president of Baylor University, who was demoted to chancellor last week amid criticism of the school's handling of a sexual assault allegations against football players, is stepping down from his new role. Starr told ESPN's Joe Shad on Wednesday that he will still teach at Baylor Law School. Starr, famous for being the... A special prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton's sexual relationship with Monica Lewinsky said, to his knowledge, sexual assault was not a major issue at Baylor until last August when a football player was tried for sexual assault. Since then, several players have been uh, implicated in assaults and tried and convicted. Uh, This week, the football coach quit. The athletic director also stepped down. Everybody's out. And now they have seven football recruits. From the f- incoming freshman class who are asking to get out of their commitments to Baylor now oh, that the wow. football program's kind of blown up. Well, good, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're going to overlook it. we yeah, got to take stuff seriously. There's got to be a penalty, so this right. is what's happening. And finally, a South Carolina grandfather is apologizing for picking up the wrong boy from an elementary school. In an incident reported, the report says that Joseph Fuller showed up at the uh, primary, the elementary school May 19th, spotted a boy who he believed was his grandson. The report says the grandfather approached the boy, gave him a big hug. When Fuller asked the boy if he was ready to go, the boy said, Yeah, sure. The report says the teacher the teacher's assistant told the sheriff's deputies that she was she asked the boy if the man was his grandfather and the boy said yes he is. It wasn't until <laughs> afterwards that Fuller brought him home that the mistake was realized and he returned the boy to the school saying he was very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Wow. How old was the kid? It's elementary school, so under twelve. Hmm. I, I showed up to an elementary school to pick up my uh, nephew once. And I don't know if there was any communication with the teachers. I just walked up, said, hey, ready to go? He jumped in the car and we left. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Is that how easy to get a kid? You didn't even check him out? I didn't have a note. I didn't have – he was just standing out by the flagpole. He just jumped in the car and we went You weren't
3: in a van, were you? It was a truck. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard that. I think I heard that report,
4: that Amber alert. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, no. His parents knew what I was doing. They asked me to do it.
2: No, the truck was white, not Amber. Okay. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's so
3: hard.
2: It's so hard. <laughs> Could you see that? The grandpa like, you ready to go? Yep, let's go. All right.
3: <laughs> this thing. <laughs> Come on, son. Hey, did you see that alligator
4: uh, that was huge? On the golf course? Huge. Yeah, it looks like a dinosaur mm-hmm. just kind of lumbering around. Oh, 15-foot alligator and you see his tail was just humongous it would it would take your legs out easily and once again people getting close i mean they yeah, got yeah. to there's a guy with a camera phone he gets up real close to it well which what's the big deal i've watched gator wars <laughs> i'm my favorite show is
3: swamp people i know how close i know exactly how to kill a gator Have you watch those yeah
4: i love it they're fun. gator uh uh swamp people is my favorite show well, on tv is that the one with subtitles yeah, yeah they're, they're American citizens, yeah. uh-huh. but when they speak, you can't uh-huh. quite understand because of the Creole sort uh-huh. of thing, you know. Celebrating accent. Bubba so, Day, National Bubba Day. They have to subtitle U.S. citizens so you can understand what they're saying. I love oh, it. It's great.
3: I, I wish I had time to find it because I have a favorite quote from one of my swamp people
4: that I, I said, that is a great quote. Several times I rewound and like compared what they they're telling you, uh-huh. he said versus what you hear. And you're like, I don't think so. <laughs> but I think because because you you've seen swamp people, yeah. Is that what it's called?
3: Um, I, just because you've seen the show doesn't mean you ought to get close to a 15 foot gator. That's a no. flippin' dinosaur. This thing looks like a dinosaur. It's huge. And they're just following it around a golf course.
4: Here, boy. Here, boy. <laughs> but apparently, at this sp- specific golf course, this is an attraction. Come see this massive alligator. Oh, that's great. They, they market this.
3: <laughs> the, the exact same day, though, I found a guy trying to hit a ball. Did you see the guy hitting the golf ball? It was right on the edge of a lake. Oh, right, yeah. And he's trying to hit the ball, and he keeps stepping back. And then he hits and swings, hits a great shot, I guess, but falls back into the river. And the next thing I'm thinking about, a 15-foot gator yeah. rolling him. He's down there waiting for lunch. <laughs> wow! <laughs> now that's television. You you combine golf and gator wars Ooh, I'm telling you. That's some primetime TV right there. <laughs> that's good stuff. That might that would totally revive golf. They need to do something with baseball. If they would involve in the game of baseball, a gator. Okay. One gator. Mm-hmm. Like what they ought to do is just let a gator loose and put chicken wings all over the <laughs> all over the field. It's a James Bond movie, right? Exactly. And yeah. then
2: and then just let the gator loose during the game. So it's no, kinda... you you marinate the the uniforms.
4: Oh wow, that is a brilliant idea. So turn instead of running the base paths, mm-hmm. it's an obstacle course. No, you you still have to run the base paths. Well, no, but, but you, you don't know where the croc's going to be, right, or the alligator. You put a little danger, uh-huh. exactly,
3: and you chum up, you, yeah. you chum up the baselines. <laughs> So, so you always have this gator run an interference. Are you just trying to f- make it so you can watch baseball? Uh-huh. Okay. I, I, it's my, it's my favorite sport. It just takes too long. It does, and it's not as exciting as it needs to be. Gator, gator, okay. I'm telling. I'm going to run that by the guys today. Okay, I, I bet you they would. Uh, they would support that. I think. Don't you think? Yeah. I think it would make it a lot more exciting. Plus, a second baseman wouldn't have to punch out a runner that tries to take him out because he'll always be looking over his back for the gator. Yeah. And all you got to do, once or twice a year. The logic fits here. It's the great. Gator just has this. to get one base runner. And you, you've you changed the entire game for the entire Now, year. is that one out? Yeah. No, or is that, there a bigger penalty? No, because the Alligator's
4: kind of slow on no, land.
3: No, I think if the Alligator gets anybody on the field, yeah. it's an automatic new inning.
2: Okay. Everybody off the field. There you go. Well, you got to clean up. Yeah. Do you you want me to email the MLB? Would you try that? Yeah, Yeah, do that. Email
3: them a letter about my gator idea to pick up the game. Hey, I got to tell you this crazy science story. Because we're talking weird science with a couple of our professors in a minute about mites. Yes. Did you hear about uh, the scientists say they've developed an invisible skin, a, a new second skin that covers up wrinkles and treats skin conditions? Hmm. It's at Harvard, for heaven's sakes. They've developed an invisible elastic film that, when applied on top of real skin, works as a second skin. Oh. Like like that. Wow. You just go buy a roll of duct skin. Yeah, (laughs) duct skin. And you, you just put it on, according to the, the team at Harvard and MIT, the skin functions similarly to real skin, serving as breathable protective layers that locks in the moisture and temporarily in, uh, helps increase skin elasticity. Huh. So it gets rid of wrinkles. Wow. Women will no longer need – No Botox? They, they won't need Botox. They won't need facelifts. They'll just be able to tear off some tape, some skin. That's what it sounds like when you pull it off.
2: What if you put it on wrong? Oh.
3: Can you reapply? Yeah, but it hurts really <laughs> bad. It hurts really, really bad. Um, anyway, this is it's going it's going to be coming out on the market. They expect it can be used to treat skin conditions like eczema, psoriasis, soothing dry patches. Good as it may sound, the product is still far from hitting the market. Report released Monday. It just describes uh, that they're in the first levels of testing on it, but they say it's it's showing a lot of uh, promise. We people have been putting duct tape on their skin forever to like get rid of a wart. You know, people do that. That's what they do in gator wars.
2: I can guarantee you that duct tape is going to buy this idea.
3: There will be a day duct tape will be eliminated by skin duct. <laughs> You laugh, but uh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you today we've we have we may have solved not only major League Baseball's problem, but we may have now found a face a, a, a more affordable facelift. Thank you. Thank you. We're here all day. We're here all day. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we're talking dust mites. Do you really need to replace? your mattress every eight years because it's so full of dust mites that are just feeding on your dead skin cells? We'll find out. Don't don't be buying a mattress yet. Coming up next, Dr. Jim Johnston, Dr. Scott Weber, going to be talking about some research they performed here at Brigham Young University about dust mites and uh, your um, air conditioner. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Have you ever heard the advertisements, uh, you know, on the radio that you need new pillows and mattresses because of millions of dust mites are just living in your mattress, eating all of your dead skin cells? If you've ever heard the advice that you should also uh, use, you shouldn't use swamp coolers because they lead to more and more dust mites in your home. Have you ever heard that one? Well, guess what? You may be... uh, be Maybe they're feeding you a line here. We're going to find out. Our guests today are two researchers from Brigham Young University. They've joined us on the show to teach us about dust mites and clear up some misconceptions surrounding them and to tell us about a recent uh, groundbreaking study they performed. Dr. Jim Johnston joins us, and Dr. Scott Weber. Uh, Scott Weber is an assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology and Molecular Biology here at Brigham Young University. Dr. Jim is, uh, Johnston is an associate professor in the Department of Health Science at Brigham Young University, where he teaches courses in environmental and occupational health. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Hello. Matt. Good to have you here. Dust mites. First of all, how do two good-looking, smart guys study dust? get studying dust mites <laughs>
9: i think scott got roped into it i did it by choice you, you, you do this by choice <laughs> health i mean occupational health environmental health right is what right. you study right yeah so i actually became interested in dust mites um, uh, i worked for um a couple of years for the national children's study which it was a large study um, on uh, children's health in the u.s yeah. and um, I just became interested in, in dust mite allergen exposures, working on the study. And then um, I, when I came here to, to work at BYU, I sort of brought that interest with me. Um, and you're like, i got to get into this. And then yep.
10: Scott, who's a microbiologist, is that right? Yeah, Micro. I'm, I'm, I'm technically an immunologist. I'm in the Are microbiology you? and microbiology department, but I am I'm an immunologist. Okay. Can you explain what a dust mite is? Absolutely. Yeah. So let me just mention before I do that. So Jim and I met as new faculty members here at orientation, and, oh, did you and, really? and this whole project started sitting around a lunch table, you know, kind of talking about what do we do, and 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 uh, and he mentioned he needed someone that could do some of the lab work on this, and so that's really how I got into this. Right when you got here, your first right orientation. Right when we got here, we, we mm-hmm. both were hired at the same time, and so this was. Uh, kind of a neat in, in my mind a kind of a neat collaboration that started right from from us you know coming in as strangers having never met yeah. just sitting down at a table and saying hey what do you do <laughs> and here we are on the matt townsend Isn't show that, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and you're
3: saving thousands of people from dust mites now <laughs> or at least dozens that are listening um, talk about what is a dust mite and how do they
10: get there where do they yeah, come from absolutely so dust mites are are you know small Similar to spiders, they don't bite you though. They're they're small insects. They're not bed bugs. They're not you know they're they're these insects that live as you mentioned already. They live off of of the small flakes of skin that fall off our bodies, and they're about the size of a grain of dust. And so wow. they're very very small, um, and they do live in more humid environments. and And we were really interested because we live in this arid environment here in in the Intermountain West. How many do we have here? You know, what's the the danger for dust mites and and specifically, you know, this swamp cooler question. Does does having a swamp cooler really increase that with, with more humidity maybe being caused by that in the summer months?
6: So
3: really, dust mites. I guess they're inevitable if you live in an if you live in a more humid area. Yeah. So, so the coastal
10: regions, mm-hmm. the south. Yep. Yeah, so they're they're very yep. humid. They're they're humid consistently in those areas. That's how they get their water, right? It's just air humidity that. Yeah, they don't actually drink it. Right. It's actually being absorbed yeah. by these dust mites. So the humidity, the relative humidity in the in the home, is very very important for their ability to survive.
3: So if people don't want dust mites, they need to move to the <laughs> arid
10: west, right? It would help.
3: Bakersfield, California, in the middle of the the dust bowl. Talk about yeah. where. Um, so your research was about how many dust mites there really are? Is this something, because we keep hearing you need to rotate out your, you got to get rid of your mm-hmm. your uh, bed because after eight years, you know, there's there's like 17 generations of dust mites.
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, so what we were really looking for um, was the, the allergens from the dust mites. Um, so we would collect the dust um, from these different locations in the home, one of which was the bed, uh, the mattress. And then um, uh, Scott, what, what he was helping with with the research was actually um doing the the molecular biology test to identify the allergens we we did go back and look for the actual dust mites in the samples just to verify that they were there and right. in, indeed they were um, <clears throat> so um yeah so that was so the paper is actually about the allergens yeah. like the pre, the presence of the allergens in the dust
10: and is- and the reason that matters is for things like induction of asthma right. and allergies and so so that's mm-hmm. – that's, as an immunologist, that's what got me interested in this. It's yeah. trying to understand that and maybe down the road we'll talk a little bit about – there's this this uh, hypothesis called the hygiene hypothesis in which exposure to microbes or living on a farm actually protect you from asthma and allergies later in right. life if, if that happens at a young age. But that's not the case with dust mites. So, dust mites. Having fewer dust mites, you still have allergens. You so don't allerg- want to be exposed to dust mites, and so there's something different about them than than your usual infectious agent, you know, microbes oh, and things. So.
3: Yeah, how interesting. Yeah, who would think about – but I guess this is about mm-hmm. why are certain people in certain areas of the country healthier in different ways or have better immune responses?
9: Right. There are certainly regional differences in exposures that occur, and um, so – One of the interesting things with dust mites is that the allergens are – they're very potent allergens to humans. And that, as Scott was saying, that early life exposure before age two is linked to the development of asthma by closer to age 10. Oh, really? Um, So children who have that early life exposure are more likely to get asthma. And right now, um, asthma is the leading chronic disease among children in the U.S., so i did not know that
3: yeah so, now, so but so that would be then living in a coastal region would be more likely to have exposure to to dust mites and the allergens yes yes yep.
9: wow yeah yep, more humid regions um estimates are roughly 85 percent of homes um have um, active colonies of dust mites in them um, nationwide and, nationwide and so what we were interested in is um, there's some research that shows there was a study in Colorado and there was another one in Reno, Nevada that showed this association between swamp cooler use and the presence of dust mites. Because typically you wouldn't expect to find dust mites in an arid or semi-arid right. arid climate. Um, but there was there were some previous studies that showed that there were um, just this association between swamp cooler use and and dust mites. So we wanted to see well, does that hold true here in Utah? Are are we seeing that problem here? Yeah. Uh,
10: And what did you find out? We're not. We're definitely not so swamp
9: so, coolers uh,
3: don't create enough moisture to to drive up uh, dust mite. Yeah. So one colonies. of the things
10: that the interesting things that Jim brought to the study was he he did the most thorough relative humidity analysis that we know of, right, for this study as far as this type of study. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And so every five minutes for seventy two hours, they measured the relative humidity in homes with central air cooling versus swamp cooling, swamp evaporative coolers, I guess, mm. swamp coolers, and. Uh, and so they re- he was really able to know exactly how long the temperatures were above these different thresholds of humidity. Okay, And and our analysis showed that we were not getting swamp, uh, dust mites, allergens, in these homes. It was very, very low. And so is there a mm-hmm. difference between a swamp cooler and central air at, I guess,
3: humidity
9: levels? There, there was. So what we did – Matt, can I call you yeah, Matt? Please, please. Okay. All right. And call you Mr. Townsend. Yeah, no, you can call me Matt. So what we did is we we looked at two different seasons because we wanted to compare the homes um, during the winter and then again right. during the summer. Um, usually the mites are more active in the summer um, because the humidity levels are higher. Yeah. Um, so um, what we did is we we measured humidity and then the allergen levels um, at four locations in the home, and then we we repeated that in the summer. And what we found is there was no difference between swamp cooler homes and central air homes in as far as humidity goes in the winter. In the summer, it was a different story. The swamp coolers did increase the the humidity in the homes quite significantly, but it never got up to the point where it was enough to support dust mites. So really the the lowest sort of threshold Threshold. you can be at Uh for them to survive is about 54% relative humidity. And the swamp cooler homes, on average, were at about 49%.
3: Oh, really? Even yeah. with swamp coolers f- flowing, it still doesn't even get up to 54%. No.
9: Nope. Now, well, there. let me clarify that. We had some excursions where it would go up um, above 55%. But when you look at the averages, like over the whole day, yeah. um, it, yeah. it, it didn't maintain it. It maintain couldn't it. sustain it over the whole right, day. Right, right. Interesting. Let's take a break. We're talking about
3: dust mites, believe it or not. But who would have thunk that the allergens are really the problem, and we've got to pay attention to that. And they won't tell you that at the mattress store unless it sells a mattress probably. We'll take a break, continue our discussion with Dr. Jim Johnston and Dr. Scott Weber. When we come back, stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
5: Little dust mites,
3: ultra-tiny dust mites, about two million in the average bed.
2: Bunches of them dust mites, munching little dust mites, snuggle warm and
3: cozy neath your head. Well, that's a great song. The Dice, the the Dust Mite song. Uh, Joining us um, are doctors Jim Johnston and Scott Weber here from Brigham Young University. Dr. Weber is an assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology and Molecular Biology. Dr. Johnston is an associate professor in the Department of Health Science at Brigham Young University. They've performed studies. On dust mites and their allergens and um, what we're finding out is dust mites need humidity to survive and air evaporative coolers don't necessarily provide enough of that in the Utah arid area region to actually foster a lot of dust mites. Is that right?
10: That's right. In other areas that's not the case. That's in not in the more case, humid right? areas these evaporative coolers are going to push them way above that threshold. But and the
3: reason we're even studying this is because if if the, the the studies show that they bring dust mites also bring allergens, the allergens eventually could lead to I guess you know just problems, colds whatever, but our allergies. But mm-hmm. over time uh, if you're exposed to it when you're young, over time it could create asthma. That's right. You're about ten.
9: That's right. Yep. So that early early life exposure before age two is linked to the development of asthma later in life. But uh-huh. they're also once you have asthma, they're also a potent trigger uh, to, to keep, trigger an right? a- asthma attack. So is that that dust? So if you can picture this, the dust um, in your uh, these sort of large dust reservoirs in your home, the carpets, upholstered furniture, mattresses. Is that dust um, – if it has the allergen in it, is that becomes aerosolized through – Just kicking um, the carpet. Kicking the carpet, cleaning activities. Yeah. Um, if you shake the blankets on your bed, Ugh. it aerosolizes that that dust um, and then we inhale that. So here – okay. So this gets even grosser. Yeah. So the, the allergens um, are actually excreted in the feces of the dust mite. And Ugh. so the – So it's the, dust mite feces that it. – Right, messes you up. they are enzymes uh, from the gut of the dust mite that um, come out in the fecal pellets, and the fecal pellets happen to be—they're very small. They're about twenty micrometers, and as those dry and start to break apart, they become just the right size that when when they're aerosolized, that they can get into the lungs when we inhale. And so, wow. so that's sort of the route of exposure. And that's that why. Happens. And then
3: the an asthma attack if you're if mm-hmm. you're prone to asthma. What yep. you guys? You guys must be really fun at a party.
0: It must be so. Thank you.
3: you're, You're great guys here. But then I'm thinking the minute you're talking about aerosolizing dust particles and their mites and their fecal matter, then it's like you must walk in and do you see dust and think, oh, boy. This is gonna kill somebody.
10: No, I don't think we think that. I, I think Jim's no. way more fun than I am. I try not to talk about that. So. You've got yeah, you're more cooth than that. This Scott, <laughs> Scott's mom taught him better. <laughs> I think
3: that's <laughs> so. So, in a nutshell, though, if we li- if you live in an if a, if you live in a more humid area, you have to pay attention to dust mites. Keep your house clean. Maybe
9: rotate out your beds. There, there are some things you can do. Um, um, one of the Most important things you can do if you live in a humid environment is um, try to keep the humidity down in your home Um, so you can actually dehumidify your home. And even central air conditioning um, helps pull some moisture um, out of the air in the home. And if Um, you keep it down, you're saying below 54% uh, Mm -hmm. relative
3: humidity in the room. Mm -hmm. then the dust mites won't thrive.
9: Yeah, so really the recommendation is if you can keep it below 50, so you have a little bit of a a buffer zone there. But if you can keep it below 50 year-round, you can um, keep the dust mites out of your home. But some other things that really help is um, if you wash your bedding in hot water regularly, that helps. Um, uh, I would recommend using a HEPA filtered vacuum cleaner. Um, And even vacuum off your furniture and your your mattress. Yeah. Um, uh, but with a HEPA filtered vacuum though
3: um, if I you live in the help. south
9: evaporative coolers probably not ideal no there's too much moisture in the and air for them to work I wonder if they even
3: work. sell them there anyway
10: <laughs> they work not as well there Trevor yeah. yeah so
3: is in the end though this is about health right you're not doing this because you hate uh the mattress companies right. that are trying to sell you right. sell mattresses right. you're, you're <clears> this <throat> is a
10: health issue this is about you know our immunity that's right. This is trying to understand really the risks in different parts of the country because it's what we found is it's not a global recommendation. You know, right. Where right. you live changes your exposure, and it changes really what you should be doing and what you should be thinking about. And so, and for me, the really you know it's really interesting to understand how our immune response is is causing some of these problems and what's that trigger. Yeah. And right. So. So I think you know most people haven't don't think about what's a relative humidity in my home, but that's a really important thing to think about. You know, if you want to get rid, if you've yeah. got problems with asthma or your children have problems with asthma, or you're concerned about that. Yeah. And certainly there's more that's involved with asthma than just dust mites. There's all sorts of air pollution and genetics and, and, and many, many other things involved. But this is an important thing to think about. And it's probably just as important to think about as your mattress, right? I mean, like think
3: about a HEPA filter. Think about your, your humidity levels. Buy what you need to buy maybe. It might cost you, but so do mattresses. <laughs> so, I mean, in the end, I guess more of this
9: is about be informed and, and learn. Right. Um. I think the more the more we know about it, definitely, the more um, we can, you know, uh, I don't know. Just prevent, yeah. Prevent or, or, it or just and,
3: anticipate, I guess. Right, right. And not be sold something you don't need. Right.
10: So, so this hygiene hypothesis that they've talked about, they found that people that are exposed to pathogens at young ages are actually healthier. So being yeah. – Individuals who are on a dairy farm, for example, in a stable environment, they're, they're around horses and cows. They're going to have all sorts of these pathogens, which are actually helpful for the immune system. So there are certain things, if you're educated, that you can, you know, they joke this yeah. is your excuse to let your kids eat dirt, eat and, dirt. and do all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But we don't want them in, uh, being exposed to dust mites because yeah. that's a different, different ballgame ball game there. So.
3: And that doesn't necessarily over time, that's, that's going to cause problems.
9: That's right. Yeah, and I, there's really sort of a paradox going on, Matt, where um, some early life exposures, um, as Scott was saying, are, are actually protective later in life. But then there are others, like dust mites, That'll that kick you. that early life exposure is linked to disease later. So and it's, and it's something we should know about as parents. Right.
3: Appreciate it. Dr. Jim Johnston, thank you. Dr. Scott Weber, keep up the great work. Keep uh, digging into the dust mites. Thank you. And and being the life of the party. (laughs) We appreciate your insight. We'll take a break, my friends, and come right back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us, helping you find the good in the world. We'll be right back.
7: I feel
3: like a woman. Oh, yeah, baby. Welcome back. A little Shania Twain, or Shanae as we call her, here in the studio. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies, uh, Spencer and Jerem, down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Hello. Matthew. Do you like this song?
8: I like Shania Twain. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah.
3: My wife thinks I'm in love with her.
8: Who isn't in love with Shania? I'm telling you. Well, from, from then, right? Like now, who knows? Well, she has a Look, she looks the same to me like 15 years later.
3: Oh, for sure. Plus, you know, our eyes are going bad.
8: Yeah, well, um, that too. Yeah, that, that
6: definitely factors into
3: it. My wife got mad because I carried around her album for like three weeks.
8: <laughs> That's kind of weird.
3: When you carry a Yeah. And it was a vinyl. That's what's really weird about it. Hey, um, you guys uh, ready for tonight's game?
2: Oh, we're ready.
3: Are you picking a team yet?
2: I don't think the Warriors will win the series. I won't be surprised if the Cavs do, though.
8: I think it's going to be a great series. I want it to go seven games. Oh, I want it to go seven games.
3: You, yeah, that would be fun. Ooh, that would be good. That would be good for everybody, right?
8: Yes. It would be mostly beneficial for those that want ratings and money.
3: <laughs> yeah. The, you mean those that are after uh, filthy lucre? Yes.
8: But the fans, <laughs> I mean, is there anything better than a game seven? for a championship at the professional level you know
3: what not to distract us but yes there might be Uh, i've got an idea you guys i wanted to run it by you okay okay so (laughs) they just found uh, i don't know if you saw this a 15 foot gator walking across a golf course okay did you see that mm -hmm. saw the pictures
8: okay i immediately thought of happy gilmore
3: did you, did you? Okay. Yes. See, honestly, it's, it's kind of it, – this is a good idea. Just let me run it by you. Okay. Baseball is having a harder time getting fans there mm-hmm. to watch the game because the game's slower. It just isn't as fluid.
8: It has been a struggle.
3: So I'm thinking of an idea called Gator Ball. <laughs>
8: <Don't>
3: <laughs> and what you do – it's normal baseball. And I think I think MLB should take this up. Normal baseball – but what you do is you just put maybe one or two gators out on the field. Okay. <laughs> this is the that would, that Roman Coliseum with uh-huh.
8: tigers and the gladiators. Exactly. The people have done this before. But man. what
3: you do is you chum, then you chum the bases. So they're all chummed up in the baselines with just really good, you know, stinky chicken, you know, innards, the guts of animals. And then you, uh, and, and Ben brought this up. It's a brilliant idea. You, you soak the uniforms of the players in the chum. So then you put the gators out there. And then it's a regular game. And if if you happen to get caught by a gator, innings over. (laughs) But other than that, it's just gator ball. The staff and
2: management of BYU Radio do not condone the housing and boarding of alligators or any other illegally acquired reptiles in any private domicile.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Dunchlin.
2: Yeah, we have to play that now anytime I mention
3: anything about gators. <laughs> gator ball. But don't you think gator ball would bring back baseball? Oh my goodness. to like it's To like its golden age, right? It would take us back to the Coliseum. I mean, imagine the day that you've got to not only hit the ball, but you've got to get by the gator –
8: you gotta, you gotta
3: leave oh. the gator, oh. long jump the gator to get to second exactly. base. Exactly. Then you won't have anybody on second base punching you <laughs> oh my
8: goodness.
3: when you're trying to take your leg out because you got a gator right there trying to take both this your legs is
8: ridiculous. out. Ridiculous. Okay. I just keep thinking about, you know, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and Adam Sandler saying, <laughs> "You, you took Chubbs' hand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you took Chubbs' hand. Hey, by the way, it's Bubba Day too, you National know he Bubba got Day." Is,
8: you know how you, he got your hand? well, I got the gator's head <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: you guys are good, hey okay. Get jobs. they're getting mad at me because I always take you guys too long so well, uh, no. here's the thing you got to get your hair done. I understand nope,
8: not that we we have we have a very special element in today's show that we need to what we need to make sure we can actually pull off. Do you
3: guys need to stretch out first?
8: no okay in, well, in a way some some pinky stretching.
3: Ooh. So uh, what's on the show? Tease them, and then we'll get you so you can go get ready.
8: Holy cow. So the University of Texas is holding the ace card. We knew that, but they are now flexing their muscle and saying, we don't want Big 12 expansion right now. But mm. why? Especially when you look why? at the <laughs> seven, no, make it ten-figure money numbers yes. that are on the table. Ten figures! Jeez. Why is Texas still self-serving? Greedy. Mm, or are they? Yeah. This is exciting. So we're going to talk about is it? that. Yes. Okay.
6: Jer- Nothing's Jer- happened. What's Jer- exciting?
8: So, well, yeah. What's, no- what's exciting? Nothing has happened in terms of expansion, but I am intrigued by what the Texas Athletic Director said and the stance that they are taking. It's fascinating to me.
3: Yes. Okay. This is. I. I you think it's – I think it's exciting.
8: Fred Warner of BYU Football is not worried about Texas or the Big 12 at all. He's worried about Arizona. We'll have him in studio as well as uh, head volleyball coach on the women's side, Heather Olmstead. She's going to be helping out Team USA in a way. We'll discuss mm. the, the uh, particulars of that as well.
3: Awesome. It's a great show. Okay, go get stretched out, boys. All right. You know, don't forget Gator Ball.
8: Ball. Gators! Until gator it happens, you. we're going
3: to give you the rights, man. That's right. It's all mine. Thanks, guys. Have a good show. Knock him dead. Gator ball. It's here to stay. I'm serious. It's very rare that I come up with such an innovative idea. Taze it. Uh, Taze it was my last innovative idea. But gator ball is one that I think the kids can, you know, they could jump on. Now, we wouldn't want the little kids to play it. But let boys, you know, boys will be boys. Maybe you start... You know, maybe by about high school, you start putting a Viper or something in the field.
2: Well, you can raise the Gators with the teams, right? It's not a bad idea.
3: No, but you don't want them too close. You have to bring in visiting Gators because you don't want the Gators to know the team.
2: It's kind of like a, a referee. Uh-huh. You don't want a referee with a yeah. tie to the school. You don't want a Gator that has a loyalty to the players.
3: I think I, seriously, and you might, I was just thinking because Gators are a little slow moving. um, you probably would need some water hazards in the outfield. But if you could hit the ball to the water hazard, I mean, the center fielder is not going to go in there.
2: And that really, really dedicated. This is – I'm telling you.
3: I know this is going to work because I watch, uh, I watch swamp people all the time on TLC. I love the show. And I appreciate that they do put subtitles on it. Because I wouldn't know what they're saying half the time. Ah, I'm telling you. Life is good. Hey, as you know, we like to always help the con. We call it coaching the con. And uh, today, we're going to do it again. Because you got to
5: boys, boys, What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you?
3: What you going to do when they come for you? Let me tell you what you're going to do. I'm going to make it so they don't even have to come for you. Listen to this. This guy does $10,000 in damage to the wrong house. Ajinka Kelka may be wishing he read the address number a little more carefully. The 20-year-old New Jersey man is accused of seeking revenge against his ex-girlfriend's new guy by attacking his property. But what he found out after is he had actually attacked the wrong place. Police say Kelka was caught on home surveillance video causing $10,000 in damage to a South Brunswick property, slashing tires. Uh, he scratched obscenities into a vehicle door. He slashed the roof of a Jeep, uh, Jeep Wrangler, all, by the way, at the wrong home, right? Kelker now faces up to five years on charges, including trespassing and third-degree criminal mischief. No. Oh! That uh, uh. So not only did he get arrested, but he didn't, I guess, get the satisfaction of ruining his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend's Jeep Cherokee. Instead, he took out some 80-year-old's Jeep Cherokee, <laughs> and Eunice is like, "What's why do people hate me?" <laughs> well, Eunice, it's actually not you. This uh, criminal made a mistake. He means no harm. Anywho, what do you do? What do you do, folks? Ah, You could be the Florida man we talked about earlier in the show a couple hours ago that shot himself and didn't know he had shot himself. He found a bullet hole three days later. Okay? Which is why I don't go to bed without checking for bullet holes. (laughs) I will never be the same. This poor guy... He had a bad back anyway so he's a little numbed up on meds um and when he he was getting up the gun went off he knew it went off i think but i don't think he, he felt a sharp pain in his arm but he thought it was you know something else his back and then he collapsed and he knew his face hurt cuz he hit his face on a table poor guy anyway you you could be you you could it could be worse. Just just know that. Know that it could always, always get worse for you. As you know, we also like to end the show with a hero story. Here we go. You ready for fun? I like heroes. We need them. We need more of them. Uh, today's hero is a seven-year-old. Um, Hayden Trigg's reliance on a wheelchair and diagnosis of both spina bifida and cerebral palsy meant the seven-year-old had trouble playing alongside his classmates and two siblings. But all that changed earlier this month when Hayden of Austin, Texas, cut the ribbon on the wheelchair-accessible treehouse of his dreams. The treehouse was constructed in the family's uh, backyard thanks to Make-A-Wish Foundation and the generosity of a local contractor, Austin Treehouses. It's leveled uh, the playing field for him. Hayden's mom, Adrian Trigg, told the ABC News affiliate there as she was talking about the treehouse – it's, um, it's built between two uh, 200-year-old oak trees on the family's one-acre property. He goes outside but cannot play, but that's going to change this summer. Hayden, uh, who has been in a wheelchair his entire life, watched dutifully as the treehouse was built in the backyard with contractors working through the rainy Texas weather to finish it on time when the final nail was nailed down Hayden's entire first-grade class rode the school bus to his home to help join him playing in his treehouse for the first time. It was the best day of his life, Trigg said. His wish was to share it with his friends. He's got to be the most popular kid in school right now. Hayden, uh, has, since completing physical therapy, has um, been learning how to now access the treehouse more effectively, and uh, he's loving it, folks. So the hero of the day, our Make-A-Wish Foundation, And the Austin Treehouse company that built the treehouse for Hayden. How cool is that? That you can change a child's life by just noticing the need and then filling the need. Folks, that's what heroes are about. You are that kind of a hero. And uh, uh, on the show here, we just challenge you to go find the good in the world. And if you can't find it, then that means you need to be the good. Bring the good. Be the hero. And uh, let's change the world together. If each of us just does a little lighter lifting, just a little light lifting... We can change the world together. We'll be back again tomorrow. More tools, more ideas, information to help you live longer, love stronger. Again, you can find our past shows on uh, iTunes, on TuneIn. We're everywhere, folks. Go find the BYU Radio app as well and download it. Until tomorrow, take care of each other and make it a great one.